a couple dribbles escaped. Welcome to episode 189 of Flicks into Six. This episode comes to you later than usual because Meatloaf. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, nocturnal beast, Alessandro Bialsi. Say hello, Al. Thumb drive. <laughs> On this week's episode, <laughs> we got better call, better call Tall, Better Call Saul trailer, Starfield, a sweepstakes opportunity, along with other hijinks and tomfoolery, all before diving into our flick of the week. The Batman. But first, Al, where do you stand on meatloaf? The food? Not the person. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask. The, the food or the singer? <laughs> he passed away a few months ago, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you ever listen to Paradise by the Dashboard Light? Well, yes, right? of course. And Naturally. like, But like, but closely? Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. It's not a great song. No, um, it is a great song. It's, it's really a great song. Up. Sorry. It's not a great message <laughs> no not even a little bit i he prays for the day that he dies so that he can end his time with you listen i don't know what his background is mm. but extremely 50 years ago irish catholic that's all mm. just like yeah. mentality the philosophy there's a he's got a lot of songs that raised the same that that raised the eyebrow to the same level. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are like, "Look, I'm not going to marry you, but I will have sex with you, <laughs> and, and and now, and we both want this." And it's like, wait, it feels like maybe it's cold outside, but the album, <laughs> um, as as opposed to Paradise by the Dashboard Life, which is, we probably don't have sex anymore. We have been married. I don't want to be married to you anymore. But I will, because honor. <laughs> God. Also, also, if I were to just get hit by a car tomorrow, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Oh my goodness! Yep, <laughs> that's the that is the cliff notes on Paradise. By the <laughs> also, like, the play by play for a baseball game. True. Right. Okay. Great. Uh, the the baseball metaphor put to good use in that song. Well done. Well done, loaf. Also, really, can I call you loaf? <laughs> Mr. Loaf to you. Mr. Loaf. <laughs> I mean, if you were gonna if you were gonna treat his name like it was a real name, uh, you would have called him Meat there, or you would have called him Mr. Loaf. Why would you just call him Loaf? I don't know. Sometimes you call your friends in high school by their last name. Yeah, no nobody called you by Elsie? No, because most people can't pr- pronounce my last name correctly, wow, and hundred percent of them can't spell it correctly. So uh, I had a lot. There was a lot of Anthony's like in the high school age, so I got a lot of. Costanzo, a lot of Costanza, mm. um, which is wrong, but fine. It's a, it's a Seinfeld thing. It, it is. It also didn't help that I sat next to a Costanza most days. <laughs> oh, that is <laughs> just, just made it very confusing. But seriously, though, meatloaf, you in? Yes. The food. Uh, it depends on the, the, food. the style. The one we've always mm. had, um, like since I was growing up, was the type that is topped with ketchup, not the type with the gravy. Sure. And mashed potatoes. I've had it that way a couple times too, and that's fine, but I yeah. had it the other way more. Um the gist we've tried a bunch of different variations. They're all kind of within the same family. Um mm-hmm. but I think my favorite iteration of it was is whatever. Um the cheese in the middle mm. and 
typically we've done it a lot of times with Mozzarella, but um, cheddar cheese, mm-hmm. or even sometimes a cheddar mixed with another cheese, and sure. peas. Okay, and yep, then yep. obviously topped with a, a layer of ketchup. The, la- so. the ketchup, the ketchup, uh, yeah. shine. Yeah, the ketchup, the the ketchup fondant yeah. <laughs> of the yeah, of the meatloaf of. cake. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's good. I do like that. I had a um, we had a. I thought so. I, in my mind, didn't really gonna be like a fast thing. Um, mm. because we had a frozen meatloaf in the fridge, in the fridge. Nope. That's not where it was. Frozen meatloaf in the freezer so that I took out check your fridge. yesterday, <laughs> uh, in, in, in thinking like, Oh, it'll be a quick one to make tonight before the show. Um, from Kim's yeah, mom, no actual cooking, just heat exactly. And then of course I was like, well, while that's heating up, I could, I could do some sides and stuff. Right. Um, I, I, I went, I went too hard is really <laughs> what this comes down to. I like, I like roasted mushrooms with rosemary and some spices, and then I, I, w- I made uh, mustard greens on the side, like stewed mustard greens, and I made like a quick, quick uh, mashed potato on the back burner of the stove. Mm-hmm. And all the while, when the mushrooms were ready, I decided to make like a, a mushroom gravy of course. to go on top of the and uh, it, it was all delicious. It was all wonderful, but like it goes with the mashed potatoes and the meatloaf. Yeah, too. yeah, it was just like. What what probably could have been like a twenty minute dinner was like a good hour and twenty minutes of just of oh I could also do this <laughs> oh I could also do this that, that sounds right I have a question though what what is a mustard green uh is mustard a verb or an adjective mustard or is an, an adjective okay uh mustard greens I guess together are a noun there's a there's a lot of mustard greens but there is the mustard green. Is this like not all greens are mustards, but all mustards are <laughs> greens? <laughs> yeah. I, so like, I'm pretty sure. Not all greens not... are mustard greens, but all mustard greens are greens, but not mustard. Uh, is there mustard yeah, involved in the mustard there is thing of the there greens? Is, is it... there, there, there was, I mean, I guess there could be. There was not in this case. Um, this was just like straight up mustard greens that I stewed down with like some onions you and know, garlic. You keep saying that term, but I don't know what it is, which is why I'm asking. Wait, what? Mustard greens? Yeah, I don't know what they are. Uh, it's, it's a is the mustard green. in mustard is the mustard in mustard green a noun, adjective, or verb? The mustard in mustard greens is an adjective, I guess, but it's a capital M. I guess it's the, I guess it's the whole name. Is it the first name? Is it the meat and meatloaf? Yes, Mister Green. <laughs> I guess it's a noun then. I guess who did it in the hallway with the lead pipe? It, yeah, Mister um, <laughs> Mustard Green. Um, it is a specific type of green, mustard green. And okay. but there was other like flavors of it. Like I'm pretty sure, um, I think like broccoli rob is like from the same family. Mm. Uh, let's see, see if I can find commonly. What about, what about where does Swiss chard exist on this uh, spectrum? I, that, I wonder if that's one too. Um, what Enjoy. are mustard collard greens? Are they mustard greens? I'm like that's the thing. It's like there is a there is a thing called mustard greens, which is what I made. Okay, so it is a specific plant. Okay, yeah, got it. yeah, but then there are also. Other things fall under the same category, mm. but like it itself is a they're like the, like I don't know why, <laughs> like they don't fall under some other category, but like they they do. So a mustard green, a broccoli rabe, a Swiss chard, and a bok choy walk Ma- into a bar. <laughs> right, they're all family, <laughs> <laughs> except except maybe bok. I don't think he's I don't think he's part. He's too bulbous. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, I like them. I think they're very tasty. Yeah, I've definitely uh, never had. I've heard of it, but yeah, you mentioned collard greens too, and collard yeah. greens is another one that confuses me because is collard like a verb? Like one was collard, the green was collard, or no. is it a noun? Or it's a, is it it's, a, it's, a, it's the same vein as mustard greens. Um, yeah. Well, I also it's, though, a diff- it's not spelled like the verb would be. So sure, but uh, but also like is our collard greens mustard greens too? I think I they may yet. be collard. Are let's see, here we go. Let's bring it on to nameology. Our collard greens. First thing, our collard greens, mustard greens. Interesting. (laughs) Clearly people have that. The difference is largely about about categorization. While both collard greens and mustard greens are both a part of the brassica family of greens, mustard greens are considered an herb. Interesting. Apart from the very different flavored profiles, these greens offer different levels of vitamins and minerals too. Okay, so they're all from brassica. That doesn't mean anything to me. Neither neither does it mean anything to me. But anyway, I like them. They're good. And but I prefer I think collard greens are currently my favorite green to make as a side. Very very tasty. Definitely never had that either. Uh I'll make it for you one day. Probably not. The <laughs> and the mashed potato and the and the mushroom. Do you where do you are you good are you good with mushrooms? I forget. No, I hate them. You so don't much. you don't do mushrooms. Okay, so the gravy, not for you. No. Nope. But it was pretty good. The uh it was a big old plate of food. And I am, uh, I'm satisfied. I feel like this conversation was improperly filed. This should have been under consumption. That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. It probably should have been. But I pilot this boat. <laughs> pilot? <laughs> Drive? What do you do to I a boat? St- I steer. I sail I it? I steer it? I steer this boat. I pirate this boat. <laughs> you're, you're the captain now. Oh, <laughs> uh, More on pirates loaf. later. What are we drinking today? Oh, um, we're drinking Alternate Ending Brewery, which is definitely Anthony's favorite or not favorite or somewhere in between brewery. Hmm. Um, Schrodinger's Brewery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's Business is a Boomin' Kolsch. Um, it, Aldo versus Gecko. Gecko versus Aldo. Both are businessmen. Both go for the kill. Who wins? We do. Uh, so on the front, we have... <laughs> Um, I almost said Ben Affleck, Jesus Christ. Uh, we have Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, from uh, Inglorious Bastards. With mm-hmm. uh, what is it that he's got on fire there? Is it a Molotov cocktail? What is it? Um, it's hard to tell. Oh, isn't that his knife? It's his knife with blood on it when he cuts ah, somebody's head. I see. When he carves the old the old oh, swath yeah, okay. into someone's head. That makes sense. It looked like he was holding like some sort of torch or something. At yeah. first, but yeah, I think you're right. It's a knife with blood on it. Um, and in his shadow, the open door is Gordon Gecko smoking a cigar. I think that was the other reason why I thought because I already knew it was him smoking a cigar, so I assumed they were both fire related. Got it. Um, Got it. and uh, yeah, I really, I would have never, ever in a million years drawn a comparison between these two characters. It, uh, Do they both say Wall Street? Is, is, is that Boomin? It's yeah. from Wall Street, yeah. Uh, maybe. Oh, maybe. Is that is that what it is? Or, I mean, I guess it could just relate to... I don't know. I've, I've seen Wall Street once, and I've never made it all the way through Inglourious Bastards, so... Ooh. You know, I was able to pull out that he that it, it was Wall Street, but I'm not entirely sure I've seen it. Are you probably at least <laughs> I must seen have seen it, right? <laughs> I'm sure you must have at least seen his big speech about how greed is good. Like that's obviously one. Of yeah, probably. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Movie. I know that. I know that. Uh, 
the Brad Pitt's character says it. Is, is there a, is there a J next to his head on yours? Next to whom's head? Uh, BP. N- no. That's interesting. There's like a weird J etched into my can. Anyway, Kolsch. Yes. I like him. How do you pronounce the O with the umlaut? <laughs> I. I don't know. I don't know that the umlaut really affects how you pronounce that word. Right, like, why are you there? To my rudimentary understanding of how that <laughs> word, unless it would, unless like they're afraid you'd pronounce it like Kolsch or something like that. Like, Maybe. So they wanted to really emphasize, no, it's Kolsch. <laughs> it's just a little bit of a drama queen, that O. It but, seems unnecessary yeah. in this case. I agree. <laughs> I think we should put one above the A in your name. The first one. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> the first one. In my mind, I was thinking Al. Two letters. Yeah. But then I forgot that you have a whole name. <laughs> I do. Kind of like Meatloaf. I have one, in- <laughs> I have one entire name. <laughs> What's Meatloaf's name? Uh, I don't know. Hang on a second. Meatloaf. I didn't expect to talk this much about Meatloaf today. Not, not Meatloaf recipe. I, I, I was afraid this was going to happen. Meatloaf center. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Lee at a day? A-D-A-Y? Interesting. Interesting. I was trying to think, is there is somehow meatloaf? If you rearrange the letters, can you get it? But we're missing a, we're missing something. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'd like to try this one. So cheers. Good, sir. Cheers. An actual clink. That's definitely a colch. Yeah, I dig it. It's nice. Very solid. This is... Kolsch is the one style of, like, like the lighter lagers, and Kolsch is weird, because I think it can kind of sort of be a lager or an ale, depending on how you want to brew it. That's a conversation for another day, and it's not a very productive one. But um, <laughs> it's, it's a conversation for another day, and frankly, it's not very interesting. <laughs> it's not, honestly. I've gone down that rabbit hole before. Um, but this is one of the few, like, of, like, the, I'll say, like, kind of, within like arm's reach of a Pilsner that I'll actually be like, okay, yeah, give me one of those, you know, because there's a little bit of flavor to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like this. I like this a lot. Um, my taste is a little bit off right now, but it tastes good to me. Is it the mushrooms? It's not the mushrooms. It's the, it's the two weeks worth of congestion. Nice. Mm-hmm. In a little early, uh, a little early allergies or. I don't know, man. Been nice the last few days. It's just, it, ugh, I don't know. I was like, I was like, kind of sick for a week, and then I'm not, but I'm still feeling a little blah. It's also what uh, happens when you have a child who's under the year, under the age of one year old. Like you sure get sick pretty often. Like one of the he guys got, I work with, he got sick. That was that was hard to watch. Mm. He's okay now, yeah. but he was uh, he was he was making he was making some funky noises with his coughs. <laughs> Yeah. Very alarming. We I'm survived, sure. though. We, we survived our first night of sick baby. Apparently, it's a rite of passage for parents. <laughs> oh, big time. Um, so. sur- surviving and thriving. What? Surviving and thriving. More the former than the latter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're on the upswing now, so we're going to be, <laughs> we'll be all right. Everything's great. All right, good. good. He's sleeping, so that makes me happy. Because when he's not sleeping, it's also sad. It's sad and hard to watch. <laughs> just uh, cranky. He's just like, dude, he's like, I just want to go to bed. Like, dude, I know. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you, kid. Uh, where are we at vis-a-vis the thumbs? Thuckles. Um, uh, the layman. Well, <laughs> I'll give this one two thuckles. 
Two thuckles? I'm down with two. two thuckles. I was a, a borderline three. Yeah, two, the thing is with like the the culture, two thuckles with like... a long nail. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to make it like weird. It's like two thuckles, and also there's like a vestigial, almost third thuckle that's going on, or like a like a hand bunion. Yeah, you know, like the people is that who, a thing? like have. No, I was I was thinking more like you know people who have like six fingers, but like not six functional fingers is like it's really like five and a half fingers. Mm. And like the doctors takes pity on you, he's like, "We're just gonna chop that off." Is this a thing that happens? Does it happen to you? <laughs> this seems very specific. No, I do not suffer polydactyly, but um, oh, that's like the name for the term. Like, yeah, cats cats have it a lot, like six digits on sure. the foot. Yeah, I've humans seen that. can have it too. Yeah, I actually think my cats do have that. I counted once, and I was like, "What's going on here?" There's <laughs> 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 a lot of there's a lot of nails. <laughs> Tell you what. <laughs> Yeah, no, I do. I do not have that. My hands and feet um, are all relatively normal. Um, I have hobbit feet. You pointed that out to me once. <laughs> yes, that does sound that does sound familiar. <laughs> oh boy! All right, two thuckles. I'm down with that. I think it's time for some news and nuggets. Yes. So, Better Call Saul trailer. I was. Uh, you told me about it last week. You told me about it again today as I put down for the notes. I said I'll watch that before we start. Didn't you watch didn't. it. Yeah, I know. No, so why don't you give me when, the when rundown? You, when, <laughs> when you sat back down and you're like, all right, five seconds, and I was like, you didn't watch the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which he just said like 90 seconds ago he was going to watch. <laughs> um, so there was a trailer for the final season. Excellent. Um, which definitely would be easier if you had seen it, because I can't re- recite it from memory, because sure. you know the way that the Breaking Bad slash Better Call, tra- Better Call Saul trailers go. Better Call trailers. Better Call trailers. <laughs> just jam so many cuts so into it. Yeah. Um, because there's a million Easter eggs, and it's like, I can't tell what the fuck's going on, but uh, also, it's like very adrenaline rushy, where it like starts mm. slow, and like you get a couple of like full scenes. Is it long? And then it's- and then it's just like, bam, 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 cut, 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 cut. I don't know, two minutes, something like that. <sighs> you know, just better call Saul. Minute and a half? Better call Saul. Better call trailer. trailer. Better call trailer. Official season six trailer? I, I would assume so, yes. <laughs> this is a Black Widow trailer. Trailer before the trailer. Here we go. El Camino. Chair. Sure. I love Mike. Oh boy. It's all coming together. It's the end, man. Lawyer up. Lawyer up. License plate. Love it. Classic. Oh boy. All these psycho twins. Is that Harold? Hamlin? What's his name? There's a lot going on here, Al. That feels very intentional. Mm. Mm-hmm. Weird. Okay. That's cool. I'm excited. I'm pumped, and uh, I don't think it's worth trying to break it down or understand it. I think that'll ruin everything. I think you should just yeah. enjoy the show. Well, no, yeah, I wasn't planning on us doing a hardcore like sure. theorizing. Not, not us, but figure... people are going to do this all the time. Like they got to yeah. break every scene apart. I also, I wonder, is that kind of a a nod to that part I was mentioning about Mike saying uh, this isn't going to go the way you you think or whatever? Um. Ryan Johnson directed a couple episodes of Breaking Bad, right? Or at least the the one was it three episodes? Yeah, I think so. And that was the the Luke line from um the Last Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. So that's got to be 
not only intentional in the sense of haha like whatever you think you know from this trailer is not going to go that way and also i feel like it's like a a tip of the cap to ryan johnson yeah as well from that also are you going to get involved in an episode or two throughout the season that would be i do wonder i don't know if they announced who was directing this i don't think Brian Johnson's directed any of Better Call Saul, but mm-hmm. he obviously, like I said, mentioned. I think he directed three episodes of Breaking Bad. So, I think I'm, I'm. It's so funny. While the show itself is great, I really enjoy it. I'm and I'm excited to see how it plays out and like leads in right to Breaking Bad mm-hmm. proper. Uh, I'm more excited for like what our final black and white scene is going to be. That's what I was thinking, too, because obviously that's something we've talked about a lot throughout the run of the show, and uh, they've given us more and less depending on the season. I'm really excited to see what, how much of it... I, I'm, I, that's, what I think, the biggest part of, of, if you maybe pick one thing about it, how much are they going to give? Are they going to give us a little bit every single episode? This would be the first time. Right. That would be the first time they did that. Are they going to give us some before and after the season? Mm. Is, like, is the, the final, final episode? episode? Yeah. yeah like... <laughs> that could be pretty cool. I think there's some hints maybe in the trailer of like, you know, like, do you ever feel like you're being watched? Like, all oh, that's like, I mean, does this, is this just as plain as it can be? We're like, eventually things were going to catch up to Jimmy. Do they catch up to him at the end? Like, that, mm-hmm. and, like, it, and like, it's not surprising, but it's an exhilarating ride. Well, I also think there's been so much theorizing around this show. And with all great big shows, right? Um, so much theorizing specifically about Kim. Um, mm. To yeah, put like that what, in the trailer. What's the deal? This, this isn't going to go the way you think. Like, well, fuck, man. At this point, someone must have stumbled on at least part of what's going to happen, right? Because yeah. so many people have come up with so many different theories. It's almost impossible that like a truly unthought of original idea unless like not to cross over into star wars but like unless kim whips out a lightsaber like i don't know how it could possibly go unlike anyone has thought like someone somewhere has to have thought of what's happening yeah like the i feel like the obvious things that you think of like right off the bat when the show starts is like well obviously kim is not gonna make it or there's gonna be some tremendous falling out before she gets involved because we don't know about her in in the future of breaking bad Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, like it, it, I feel like it could be it, like it, in the beginning, it felt like it was one of those two things. But who knows where it goes? And uh, I'm excited to see it play out. I really, I, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this. It's funny, I couldn't quite make out in the trailer, and I looked, took a quick look, and I, I didn't see anything about major casting. I'm sure if I spent more time, but I was just like, when I couldn't find it in like four or five minutes, I was like, you know, fuck this. I'll just wait a few weeks, and we'll figure it out a month, whatever it is. Mm. Um, the scene with Lala where he's looking at the mirror and someone yeah. else. That's like the last scene. Yeah, one of the last couple scenes. He looks a lot like him. Mm -hmm. Um, Although for the very first second when he flashed up, up, and I had to like, I actually had to rewind because he reminded me of, um, he looked a little bit like Mickey Rourke. (laughs) Mickey Rourke was trying (laughs) to look like Lalo. (laughs) I can see that. Um, But uh, obviously it's not him. It was just for like a second. Like I was like, wait, what? That can't be. (laughs) But he looks a little too much like him. I it's wonder not the way who, the force works. <laughs> no, I wonder who that who that who that is. Right though, um, is this could that be Don Hector's son? Because maybe Tuco is his nephew. Lalo mm-hmm. is his nephew. The twins are his nephews. But we've never does he have wait the twins are his children? nephews? Yeah. Oh, I mean, his, nephews, his nephews. nephews. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I th- they might be his great nephews, but either way, they're not his sons. Right. So those four 
super important characters who we've seen at some point or other across the spectrum of this timeline. None of them are his sons. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, could that be his son? Like, I don't even know if he has kids, but like, Which it would seem odd for it to be another, another cousin. Being confused for a second if it was Lalo yeah. would make sense, right? To have somebody that looks like it could be him slash his father. He looks too much like him to not be related again. Right. Like, how many more cousins can there be? Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's his father. I don't know. I, I didn't study long enough. Well, no, he doesn't look like he's old enough to be his father. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. But like, you know, in Breaking Bad fashion, like introducing late game characters that are pulling the strings is is on the table. Right. Yeah. So there's something like operating from the shadows when somebody else thinks they're in charge. <laughs> so it could be it could be interesting. I yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see where it goes. I think we're going to. Uh, for, did you come up with a name for our post credits for this? For Better Call Saul? No, I didn't think of one. Yet. All right. We'll, 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 uh, we'll brainstorm it. What's going on with Starfield? Oh, I don't know. They're just very slowly starting to release some of the promotional stuff. So, oh. Brian, uh, me and Dominic's friend Brian, <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, is, is a big Bethesda fan. He is obsessed with the Elder Scrolls series. Uh, he really enjoyed the Fallout series as well. Hmm. And this is the next new IP from Bethesda, and he's been really pumped for it. Me and him were talking about it a good amount when we went up to the Cape a few weeks ago. And he's like, I'm really like disappointed, slash starting to get a little worried that there hasn't been any promotional stuff. I was like, Well, listen, like it's not it's still not coming out for whatever it is, six or seven months. I was like, that's a lot of time. And he's like, I don't know, mm-hmm. but a lot of games like they stretch around. I'm like, I've always kind of thought a lot of that's wasteful. Like, like Sure, is it nice to see things? Yeah, but you don't have to blow your budget on promotional stuff until the last, I don't know, two months before a game comes right. out. I think it's stupid how how long that trajectory is. Like, okay, cool, you put out a cool trailer, but like, if I can't play it in the next like four weeks, like I'm just gonna forget about it. Just remind me when it gets close to yeah. like, oh yeah, I I can actually look forward to like making time in my schedule. That's the game I'm gonna start playing. Tell tell me it's coming. Yeah. Tell me it's on the horizon. Tell me when it's gonna be here. Those are, those are the three. Those are the three I, points along the yeah, the and then show me it for the like three months leading up to it, right? Like yeah. I need one gameplay trailer. I need to see you playing the game. But all the cinematic stuff is great. If you're gonna give me in-engine right. cinematic stuff, that's cool too. To just kind of get a feel for Little tone taste. and character and world building, like yeah. <laughs> but I need to see the game played one time because I've been burned before on games. Yeah, it's yeah. just like. Oh, that game looks awesome. And then I played. I'm like, I, I don't enjoy this playstyle. Like, yeah, maybe like the concept and all that is cool, but like, this isn't really what I wanted out of this game. Yeah. So yeah. you got to show me at least one gameplay trailer. But like, that's stuff that I expect in the two to three months before the game releases thing. But they they just released something today. Oh. Um, it's they they've been it, it's it's something small like it it was a lot of concept art in the the trail well it's not even trail a lot of concept art in the video they released a little text blurb talking about it and stuff and it was a they've been doing this like series of basically roundtables by some of the the primary like makers of the game and um, you know it's just them talking about you know each one is different like you know what what was the the first video in the series was like what what is starfield like what's the point of the game right like what what how did we get to coming up with the concept of the game right and then so this one is it was titled subtitled like it was like episode two like the wanderers or something like that and it's kind of hey what does it mean to be in this world it's Mm -hmm. 
exploration and it's this and that. And, you know, what, what could one be looking into? And they kind of dropped off a hint of like, Oh, you know, we'll name a faction or two for you. And it's like, there's this like pirate outfit and there's this like law enforcement outfit. And it's like, they don't just exist as like either your boss or foes. Like you can go work for one of the organizations. How does that ripple effect change how you interact with everyone in the game and this and that. And, you know, it's not just, Hey, there's some pirates. Let me go kill them. Or, Hey, let me report them to my boss at, you know, whatever law enforcement agency it's maybe you go work for them. Maybe you, now you're a pirate. Like, yeah. How does that impact your game? Like, those are things that like, if you want to do one or the other, great, you know, and, and how that leads you along your way and this and that. And they were showing a bunch of concept art and stuff and talking about some of the major locations and like the quote unquote, like nations within this world that they're creating it's like okay cool now we're starting to get the world building the philosophy of the game like that's cool stuff and you know you just keep building you know you only need one of those once a month say until if it's coming out i forget if it's october or whatever like in august start going balls to the walls with it like i I think too many of these places blow their marketing budget way too early Mm -hmm. and like you actually i think you get fatigued games like well before it comes out it's like okay, for sure because they get announced like so long in advance yeah i mean it sounds like they're like they're locked in on this date so mm-hmm. i do i do agree with with his concept where it's like oh wow they haven't really said much about it but on the other hand i feel like sometimes they say too much or they just keep like where you just get this fatigue where it's like oh, yeah just remind me in like three weeks and it's coming out fine i'm over it like yeah no no build it up so that i'm hitting that maximum hype right before the game comes out <laughs> yeah i it's funny, like, it's one of those ones where, like, maybe I might be more, like, cautious and be like, oh, I hope I hope it's going well. Like, I want to see more if I didn't know that I already had the game. Like, because it's going to be on Game Pass immediately, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, great. When it arrives, there's a thing I can play. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I am looking forward to it, but I'm cautiously optimistic because, like, I, in my mind, I like Bethesda games. But the last one that I really spent a really long time with was years ago playing Morrowind, the oh, Elder Scrolls that is a long three. Long time ago, <laughs> yeah. Was that an N64? And like, no, that was X, the original Xbox. Oh, okay. And I played a good amount of Oblivion and a good amount of Skyrim, but Morrowind I spent a lot of time with, and I loved it. Um, I just, I feel like I have this like this fond memory of it. I'm sure if I went back to play it now, it'd be very clunky. Oh, I'm sure. And like. I don't know. I, I also enjoyed Skyrim, like the multiple times that I've played like parts of it. But one of the things that always gets me with like the, these games where you can make the choices of like, I, I think it's a great idea, right? The RPG elements of like building your character a certain way, like almost giving them, giving them a personality. And then like, I think one of the things that's hard that took me a while in my gameplay to like wrap my head around is what I'm going to do up front is decide who the character is and make the decisions based off what I've established in my mind the character is, right? Versus in the moment trying to answer the questions like i'm trying like now i try to think like oh what would this guy say or what does this guy do and i'm having a little bit more fun with that but what i find is i don't play a lot of these games if any of them more than once i may played one of these games more than once and i kind of feel like i lose out on the fact that there's so much other stuff to be had because i don't go back to it and i for the longest time i would play those games and i would almost it would be that like decision paralysis thing of like well what like what do i choose i'm only starting to do that thing where i'm like trying to like almost treat it like a movie what would this character do uh in the moment and i don't know it's 
I just like I end up I think I end up falling off because I'm almost like too stressed out to choose dialogue or choose or make choices for the character. So the the actual role playing is stressing you out. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's not great. It's not great. I should get over that. <laughs> no, I mean I actually I get it. Like especially because like you you especially if you're only going to play it the one time. Like you want to get the most out of your experience yeah. with it, right? Yeah. But uh, ultimately, I feel like you're. You might get like, there's there's like a canned few ways that it can really go in the grand scheme of things. I feel like for those types of games, and they they've all been thought out. So like you could you'll probably just enjoy it if you just make any choice. One of the things I've been toying with, which I can't bring myself to do, is when I'm playing one of those games, is like just select the option on the left always and see what happens. Like don't even read it and and like just listen to the story as it happens. Um, I think I should try that. <laughs> I feel like maybe if I can commit to that, it might help with the. <laughs> it's definitely with... an approach. I don't know if it would be the most pleasing or enjoyable approach sure. per se. Um, I also, I mean, considering the majority of my role playing like games have been the Bioware ones, like to me, first and foremost, the thing I always most stress over is, is this decision going to lead me down a path where one of my squad mates gets killed? <laughs> like, right. tells me to fuck off and leaves. And it's like, no, no, no. These stories are so character-driven that to lose access to one of those characters by hook or by crook would would feel so out of the spirit. Like, you know, and like, yeah. there's different approaches to that, right? Where, like, to the Mass Effect version of it, like, either they end up becoming, like, your best friend or they might leave or die, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon Age Origins was actually the most aggressive with it, where it's like, p- people would just up and leave, or you'd have to kill them, because you'd make some decision that would literally oh piss them off to the point where you would have to kill them. I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, <laughs> well, how, is this, how is this a thing? You know, I thought that Dra- uh, Dragon Age 2 did a really cool thing where, you know, there were a handful of decisions that could lead to a character dying or leaving, but most of them actually just adjusted everyone relationship to you on a scale of friend to rival is what they called it. Mm -hmm. And so like you could do something that really irritated or pissed off one of the characters, but they respected you. So they would still be around, but the, the, the nature of your conversations with them or how they would react to things you did would lead them to be antagonistic. Like they'd Mm -hmm. still be around and have your back, but they wouldn't be like your best friend. It's more like a, it's convenient for us to continue to be allies situation, which I found to be a really cool spin on that sort of thing. It's the only time I've ever really seen that mechanic was in that specific game. That's kind of cool. You know what, you know what I think would help me is if they implemented some sort of after, like when you finish the game, you've gone through your tree of decisions. It would be so cool if they had an overview of that decision tree and you could jump to a different point and do something else. Hmm. Like go back Rewind. Like, I'm done with the game now. I'm curious what would have happened if I went, took this branching path instead. So, like, I so feel like that like, would be fun. Like a, a a chapterized version of a new game plus? Yeah, kind of. Because, like, I, I think one of the things that holds me back is, like, I... These games are long. They take a lot of hours. Yeah. I don't know that I have... I mean, Frank, time has, has kind of shown. I don't have the time to go through it multiple times. Yeah, but I there are certain things that I would like to see where it goes, and I'm sure I could find like videos of what happens if you do this or that. But I feel like that doesn't really translate to the experience of playing the game. Yeah, it's there's some value in that, obviously, right? Um, but 
it's tough. Like if you have a game that's like a hundred hours or something like that, right? Like it is kind of, yeah. it can be a tough sell to jump back into and play it again, as opposed to like if you have a shorter version, like a like a obviously there's way less in decisions, but just like talking about different pathways and how you want to go about it. Like Jedi Fallen Order, like you could play that again. Mm-hmm. Like you could play replay like the Mass Effect games. It takes some time, but like you could do it. But like it's a tough sell to play. I'm sure a Fallout or a um, Elder Scrolls again, where it's, you know, you're yeah. talking about 60, 80, 100 hours, you know, they, to get through it. Those games, especially like Skyrim, overwhelmed me because it was like, do you want to do this thing and become a vampire? Do you want to do this thing and become a thief? Do you want to do this thing and become a warrior? Do you want to do this thing? And be- I'm like, wait, do I have to choose one and that's it? I because I didn't really know. I don't know what they and I and then I get overwhelmed and panic and then I I, I either okay, stop so- playing or I choose a random one and I'm like, I don't really want to do this. I will say that the internet's pretty helpful on that one because you can mm. just look up, you know, you don't have to look up all the details to spoil it for you, but like, if I choose to be a vampire, does that lock me in as my only choice? Usually there's yeah. some article that's like, you can be a thief vampire warrior if, you know, it's just going to yeah. take you some time or don't choose to specialize too soon because that's the only one. You, and then you at least know, oh, you know yeah. what? Maybe I'll hold out for a better give offer. It, give, it, give it some time. Give it some time. Yeah. I hear that. There's a mod in Skyrim where the macho man Randy Savage's head is put on all the dragons. And when he bursts through things, he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to look it up after this. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's yes. alarming at best. <laughs> it's alarming at best. <laughs> well, Starfields, what's that? 11, 11, 22, right? That's the date. Is that what it is? I think so. The guy likes numbers. There's a sweepstakes opportunity. Yes. Um, and you better act fast because you have to do this by March 31st. But um, hmm. Natty Light. Nope. Has I'm a out. Sweepstakes opportunity. <laughs> I'm going to read a tweet from Natural Light. This is from a couple of weeks ago. If it's you not a, it, before you read it, if this is if this isn't anywhere close to Clausen's pickles tweets, I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> it. Well, no, it's not a fucking. It's not poetry. It's not a song. <laughs> it's, not it's, it's it's different. Um, that was a poetry. <laughs> you get a mullet, we give you beer. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. That's right. Get a mullet, and we'll cover the cost of the haircut and send you beer for every month you keep it going this year. Just post a photo of your mullet before March 31st with hashtag Natty Vintage and hashtag Sweepstakes for a chance to win. And underneath it is a photo that un- that says, it's like the text on the top is get a mullet, get Natty. Underneath it is a can of natural light with a mullet photoshopped over the top of it. Oh and, God. you know, assorted hairbrushes and shavers and trimmers around it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Are you gonna do it? No, oh, I don't like. I don't want a mullet, and I don't like natural light. Sure. I just think this is fucking what's, hilarious. What's the end game? Yeah, it's like I don't want the beer. <laughs> I, I don't want either of these things. I just think that this is hilarious. That is pretty great. I think you're gonna have to. You have to keep tabs on that one and uh, share some pictures once that once it gets going. Oh, um, the pictures already exist. Oh, fantastic! Um, I I'm going to send you the tweet in the chat right now and you can scroll down and see the people who are already responding and who have been responded to by the natural light account hang on a second there it is let's see here 
Oh my god. No. <laughs> That's not a mullet. That's a bald person. What is happening right now? Did I not click into it? I don't think so. Mullet is. I mean, some of them definitely do, though. Some of them definitely do. This guy, I mean, with the American flag carved into his head, he wins, right? Like, <laughs> it's a good one. He it's took that one, one an extra step. I want to know how many of these are people that did it for the for the thing, or that's just their hair. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter indeed. Well, you called that a sweepstakes opportunity, not for us. I didn't say it was a good one. Yeah, that's true. For the next, you do it, you win. The next year's worth of episodes is only the beer is natty night. <laughs> We don't know what to do with it. We have too much. <laughs> we just we record the show while playing beer pong because that's pretty much all it's good for. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it'd be good for that. Yeah, uh, that's that's good. That's a uh, that's it for news and nuggets. I think. Yeah, I think that was a tight that's turnaround. The, that was a three piece. Approach. Well, considering how late we started, we're pushing the envelope every week. It feels like that's true. That's true. Thanks to Mister Loaf. Uh, what are we? Well, we got we got some consumption. I'm sure. What are you consuming? Yes. Um. So as far as something new, I something good, something good. <laughs> in the theme of trying to continue to make the use the most use of my free trial of Apple TV Plus, I mm. watched the movie Greyhound this weekend. Did oh, you see that one? Well, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Actually? Yes, I did not. Did you see? It? Okay, <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty solid movie. Um. No, I was just. It's always interesting, like, the conversation can go one of two ways. Either I tell you about the movie or we talk about the movie. I don't mm-hmm. want to start talking at you and then you're like, yeah, but I didn't see it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or Fair. start me start talking about it as if you hadn't seen it. It's like, yeah, no, I saw it like eight times. Like, yeah, what are we it's my favorite movie. <laughs> I don't know how you know this about me. <laughs> okay, yeah, so pretty solid movie. Um, Actually, now I think about it, I'm not 100% sure if it was a true story or not, Um, mm. but it was very... Of its time, it was a World War II era movie. It concerns itself with. It's actually a very small story. It takes place over the course of a couple of days with one specific convoy of ships going across from the U.S. to uh, Europe during World War II, during the height of the Battle for the Atlantic, where German U boats were just sinking so many ships. In you know, this convoy is primarily it's, it's supply ships. It's uh, mm. a, a conglomerate of. Ships from a bunch of different countries shipping stuff from the U.S. and Canada to France and England and everyone else who's under the the German war machine there. And it's got, I think it was basically like four fighting ships. It was like two destroyers and two like smaller like gunboats. One mm. one each was American and British, I think. Um, and the Greyhound was the destroyer that is like the lead ship. Tom Hanks commands it and technically commands like the whole. Um, convoy. And, he's uh, the captain. Yes, he's the captain now. Um, Twist. But it's 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 a really <laughs> a fascinating story. It's gripping. It's it's thrilling. Where you know you start off and it's like okay, like so they got a dangerous job. Let's see what that looks like. And it's like oh shit, they're getting hunted by like several submarines mm. that they are probably not super well equipped to handle because they make this big point where like for the first basically like let's call it third of the journey. They have air coverage from the American um, Air Force. Sure. Which they have planes that are very adept at hunting submarines. So the submarines leave them alone. And once they get close to Europe, they again have air coverage. But there's like 
a two or three day span in the middle of the journey where planes can't reach them because they, they don't have enough fuel to be there and defend them and then be able to fly back to mm. a landing spot. Okay. So it, it's basically good luck for those couple of days, guys. Hopefully you get out to the other end where, you know, the British planes will be able to help defend you. See you on the and, other side, but probably not. Yeah. And so it's, it was, you know, it's a fascinating, especially when you look at like the, the technology that they were dealing with then mm. on, and I've always found that sort of stuff, whether it be World War II era or Cold War era, especially Cold War era is my, where I've seen the most of it raining so much Tom Clancy with the, the submarine, like submarines hunting each other or ships hunting, hunting submarines. I always find that to be, if it's done well, it's, it's riveting. So that's cool. It was, it was so a good solid. So I got, I, I should check it out is what you're saying. Yeah. And it, dude, it's like, it's literally an hour and a half. Oh, nice. Like I, will, it, I will. I will. Which most that. like war type movies are not that. Yeah, so that's, that's true. That's a good point. No, very well say, worth a watch. Just a solid movie. We're going to cover a couple things here. Well, actually one main one core concept. Um, you kept using the word hunt, which I believe is the appropriate term for what's going yes. on. Uh, however, my cartoon mind is picturing these submarines prowling and pouncing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of are. No, no, no. They're like, they're like bendy. They're not. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yes, as everyone is very well aware, submarines extremely flexible. Like a like an old Definitely not cartoon. Rigid. You know, like with the, the really dark, like black outline of the cartoon, like the way the characters are drawn. Like it's like that. Like it's like a dark there's a it's like, like one of them has a lot of teeth and is like laughing and and its its fins are like bouncing. Um, well it's funny it's funny that you should say that though, because the, the lead <laughs> The lead German U-boat has a wolf painted on its console. Get down. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and they keep scanning the radio frequencies. And after they hunt and take down one of the convoy ships, the one of the people on the German U-boat is taunting the American and British sailors, telling them, you're not going to survive. We're going to keep hunting you and we're going to kill every one of you. Like, okay. and he just like creepily laughing through the radio. Like it's Oy. horrifying, you that know, is a, that is a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't expect that. It's also how I pictured it. When you told me that boats could be arrested, <laughs> just handcuffs around the propellers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boat cuffs. Ship cuffs. Yes. I too watched something on Apple TV. Okay. Oscar nominee Coda. Okay. Good movie. I've I've heard it's pretty solid. Not not great. Not a great movie. Not a yeah. not a not a oh this is absolutely an Oscar worthy movie. Just a good movie. Yeah. I uh, don't fully get the nom, but it's fine. That's kind of also what I've heard as well. Yeah. But yeah. it's a uh, the characters are well developed. The chemistry is is strong. Um for a good portion of the movie, the parents are shit. And it's just, oh. but like in a, but not in like an obviously hostile way, but like almost like a, there's like a, it's like selfish driven by fear and anxiety. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's, it's a well, it's, it's a good deep dive into it. And, yeah. uh, just overall, it's a, it's an, like, it's an engaging watch. But at the end of the day, it's like, it was, it's just a good, like a, like a, like a seven, like a good movie. I mean, it is it is nice to see finally some like important stories told in in recent years and and highlighted and elevated about 
um, people living with sure de- deafness, right? Like, cause it's mm-hmm. something that most people can't relate to. Um, yeah. and like, like we're all like intellectually aware of, but it, like it, it can be, well, for one, like you just literally can't imagine if you aren't deaf, like what mm-hmm. it's like, to, like uh, just how pervasive it is to every single second of your existence, especially if you're someone who was not deaf and then lost your hearing. Yeah. Like, that's like sound of metal. Yeah. So, and we've seen it now in back to back years, right. Um, in the Oscars where pretty good movies have shown us different, like sides of that mm-hmm. experience. So like, that is good to, to see. That, that, that is, but I, I want to actually almost circle back to a conversation that we had um, during uh, The Power of the Dog, where you you reach a certain point where it's noticeable, like, that there's movies like this, and then, then I'm kind of curious, like, I don't want to give any credit to The Walking Dead, <laughs> but I'm about to. But there is a, there is a deaf character on the show. Mm-hmm. There's one that is going deaf as well. And it's just there. It's not like a story like that is like centralized around that. It's like just in in the fold. Like these characters have hearing impairments, and they are signing their subtitles. And like at first, like there were certain aspects that made it interesting. There were interesting story beats to tell, right? Like not knowing the walkers are nearby, or like having different ways of identifying that they're that they're nearby. But now it's just in the story. There's these two characters that are one of them is fully deaf and the other one is going deaf and like they're signing and you're like it's it's seamless and i think that's really cool i think Mm -hmm. when the storytelling becomes seamless and you're just you don't you you almost take the handicap out of it like which is what i feel like some of them are showing it and highlighting it intentionally right like that's what the story is going for is to is is to highlight that i i kind of like this idea of okay acknowledging it and and bringing it into the fold as normal as just like people have to deal with like different well, I think experiences. I think there's more room to do that on a television show too, though, because by the sure. time those characters That's are fair. introduced, there's a massive ensemble and they have periodically, especially early on kind of held your hand through these mm. characters are deaf. This sure. is what it's like to be deaf where if you spend, you know, 15 minutes on it in an episode and then like, five minutes on it episode, like three episodes later. Mm-hmm. And then like you kind of grow past that. And then you can just seamlessly do the storytelling in and around what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's I think easier to deploy that than I have like 90 to 180 minutes to tell you this story. Yeah. And it's going to be very focused on this group of characters, probably a fairly small group of characters. It's going to be much more. It's got to be a lot more heavy lifting done around it. What I do hope that, it does is i mean the act, i feel like the acting is tremendous and and well that's in, what i've heard is like the 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 recognition of the actors is is the biggest part of this movie as opposed to yeah. the actual movie itself mm-hmm. and then but what i what from like an oscar the, perspective the door that i i hope that it opens is that like at a casting call you get a person that is auditioning for the role that is deaf and you keep that open mind that like, and like their performance, they could, they could potentially deliver something that you were like unexpected or like just amazing. And even though the visual that you may have had in your head is of, is some, someone who is not like that. I think that that could be, I feel like that's what I hope it does is like, Oh, just opens the door for it versus it becoming like a thing that it's like, it's like, here's, here's like a deaf movie for this year. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Right. Because, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, yeah, 
you should just easily be able to just write in a deaf character because that's the best person who's like for the job. But it's like, mm. it's probably not realistic. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a certain amount of like, we don't have to be telling a, this is a deaf story. Per right. Se, right. Like you, you can just have people who are deaf in your movie. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's always going to have to be some level of, we can't just act like that person isn't deaf. Like it's not super realistic because the way that they must communicate and be communicated with mm-hmm. is outside of the what is like the most common way that people communicate with each other on a day-to-day basis, right? Sure. You don't have to have a big, hey, I'm deaf, right? You can just have someone doing sign language with someone else. But like you can't have like a it's it's not you can't. That's the wrong way to phrase it. Let me let me step back before saying that and sounding stupid there. It's an added degree of difficulty to just have like a hangout scene. It's like, Oh mm-hmm. wow. So just everyone knows how to speak perfect sign language. Maybe they do. Cause they're just sure. really smart, great friends. And that's great. And I'm not, I'm not saying like we shouldn't do that as a movie. I'm just saying there's going to be a level of skepticism by the greater audience. Sure. That's, I guess, that, that's, uh, that's fair. I'm just saying like, there has to be some sort of accommodation. I'm not saying that people shouldn't, aim for it it just does, it does not it's not going to be one size fits all for every single movie like right I, i'm what this makes me think of some is hearing some of the way that peter dinklage has talked about being cast in movies and television shows over mm. the years where he's a super talented actor right yeah immensely but he it's taken him until the last five-ish years t- to get consideration for just a regular role because he's always been cast as well you're the little person Right. We have a little person role for you. Or, I'm sorry, you're not ready for this role because you are... It's not, like, yeah, discriminatory yeah. in that way intentionally. It ends up becoming discriminatory. But it's not like a, we don't like you because you're sure. not a quote-unquote regular-sized person, right? It's just, oh, yeah, like, that's just not what we had in mind for this role. And, yeah. like, that sucks. And it's like, okay, I'm sure there are going to be certain roles where that's super important. But you know what? There's a lot of roles that you can get around that. You don't have to explain it. You, it, He can just be a person. And I'm not mm-hmm. doing this to, like rank the disabilities that one may have or conditions that one might be living with. But like that is something you can write around a lot of roles with mm-hmm. that, that people just have lazily not done. So right. Whereas something like deafness, I can understand there are real logistical issues to writing just regular roles for. Right. Sure. Cause I, anytime you write them into a lead role, it's going to become whether you want it to or not, it's going to become a deaf movie. Right. Maybe yeah, I am kind of curious like how it would play out if you if you you just do subtitles for that character and don't even like if there isn't like a specific acknowledgement of it like like could you could like what would that movie look like? I mean, I'm sure it would be jarring at first, right? Well, that's what that's what, that's the only point I'm making is I'm not saying that people shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I do think you're going to you're going to see some level of disorientation by mm. the viewer. And and I guess it's up to everyone whether that that matters or not i'm not i'm not making a judgment on it i'm just pointing out i see an obvious potential pitfall there yeah i just i I just think what would like i'm sympathetic to that struggle yeah that's fair i i I think what would be cool though is like i feel like maybe beforehand like if you if you think if you take that as an option as a pot because it is an option you could do it you could do it that way maybe beforehand it wasn't considered but now like hopefully with like bringing some of these movies forward and showing some of the performances that that becomes um, an option, I think would be kind of cool to see 
I don't know that it doesn't have to be like everything, but I think it would be cool if like, that's just a thing that's happening in a movie where like, it's just, we're just going about our business. Like this, this is the character. Their deafness is not the character. This is the character and like letting it play out, which you get that you do. Even in a movie like this, the it's interesting because like you get there eventually, but you're constantly going in and out of focusing on that aspect. Yeah. And like that being the story. And like, again, if that's the story that you're telling, fine, like Coda, child of deaf adults, right? Like that's the, like, so that's what the story was about intent. Like that's what the movie is about and yeah. what they're doing. That's different than what I'm curious about. Like, you know, like going forward. Oh yeah. Um, I think so. it definitely sometimes it, like sometimes it only takes one or in this case, let's say two or three or whatever. Like mm. see a couple of movies oh, where it's done and balanced really well. And it's like, okay, it takes it only takes one smart person to, to make the connection as to oh I can do that in a secondary role or in a leading role in a way that no longer makes it feel like it's oh here's a movie about deaf people it's just a movie that features right. a deaf person or people and it's like I I, I guess I'm really admitting I'm not smart enough to know how to do it. but it sure. only takes one or two movies to to jog the creative juices of someone who is smart enough to do that yeah so yeah. Uh, to to, to to dovetail along with what you were saying, I, I am curious to see the the first, and I'm sure there's probably some indie movie that I've never seen or heard of that, that's already doing it that way, but to see mm-hmm. one that's more popular or gets more wide attention that is just, these are just people. Because, right? Yeah. Like, ultimately, that's what it is. Like, in real life, that's all it is, is they're just people. But I can understand how it can be a barrier in movies. Sure. As much as that sucks, like it, and it does. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, what else are you consuming? Uh, so I made a little bit more progress into a couple of shows. Okay. Um, so I guess most substantially, let's go with I watched. It looks like they're doing three episode batches of um, Our Flag Means Death. Okay. Every week. So Interesting. This seems I, to be a, a reoccurring theme. Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is doing two episodes a week. Okay. And I believe that the last one just dropped for the season. There was another show that was doing that i think that i watched i don't remember which one it was now but yeah this one it seems to be doing three episode batches i think i've seen the first five i think i'm i'm still one behind the current mm. i'm really enjoying the show i wasn't 100 yeah. percent sure where okay. i was gonna go through the first episode or so but yeah it's it's interesting because it's definitely a comedy mm-hmm. but they're they give a lot of room for introspection in like serious like character like there's there's a bunch of people in the show dealing with some versions of depression and like they're all pirates and some of the <laughs> the comedy that's being mined is you have a, a, a scene that lasts a couple of minutes where someone's really i'm not saying it like necessarily in a therapeutic way sometimes it's just them going through flashbacks to like their childhood or an unhappy marriage or whatever it's informing how that person has gotten where they've gotten now and like the jarring dissonance when they go from that to there's a punchline that was happening just off screen and seeing how that like yeah. creates chaos and whatever situation is <laughs> going on. It's like, okay, I got to leave that whole, I was getting in touch with my feelings thing for a minute to let's do funny pirate things or someone's going to get killed or whatever. Like it's like, ha, it's, it's the closest thing I've seen to, jojo rabbit right where it's like Mm. this is some darkly now thankfully we're no longer dealing with like nazis and the exterminations of jews right because that's 
That is such a singular movie. <laughs> I honestly yeah. don't know how he pulled it off. Um, Seriously. Now, we are talking about, like, you know, rape and murder and pillaging of pirates and all that, but, like, with a smile. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I mean, it's pirates, right? And, mm-hmm. like, we haven't watched anyone, like, get raped or pillaged on screen or whatever, but, like, it's it's pirates, but yep. funny. But also, like, you know, people die because pirates. <laughs> Um, and Taika Waititi is now finally fully part of the cast. He's not really in the first three episodes. Okay. But uh, Um, because I guess he arrives at some point. Yes. And then it it kind of becomes like a dual lead between him and Reese Darby. Um, as the two captains kind of have one of those, we want what the other has. So Uh we're going to help teach each other. Blackbeard wants to leave piracy behind and retire and become a civilized nobleman, but has no idea how to do that, despite having wealth and riches that he's accrued through piracy. And Reese Darby wants to leave behind all the trappings of, God, it can just be exhausting, all like the petty passive aggressiveness of being (laughs) a nobleman. And while I'm not really on board for the killing stuff, maybe I could use that whole cutting loose and not worry about the morals of everything going on all the time. Mm -hmm. So that dynamic is an obvious like odd couple pairing that has worked really well. Um, Especially since there's not really a lot of tension between the characters to this point. You can kind of see how it might be lurking just off screen because, you know, even though Blackbeard is going through a crisis in his life, and and I'm sure this is a fictionalized version of him, isn't super bloodthirsty, at least at this stage in his life. Certainly yeah. it makes no compunction that he was. And when you watch him, he's trying to be above it all. <laughs> but then it's like, okay, fine. Like, so the Spanish Navy is coming down and on us. Like, yeah, we got to do this and this, and we're going to kill a bunch of people. And like, <laughs> oh, what a drag. Okay. Back to t- teaching me about the serving spoon. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not entertaining. Most of the I've... tension of the show is between the crews where Blackbeard's crew doesn't really get what Blackbeard's going through. And okay. they are very like straight faced murderous pirates <laughs> and Reese Darby's character's crew is this fucking, it's like Robin Hood men in tights, like merry yeah. band of misfits who <laughs> like, they like the idea of being pirates, but none of them are very actually good at pirates. Like they all kind of, when like the, the going is tough, like they kind of sort of do piracy, but like not very well, but they kind of like, shun the shenanigans of the captain but then when he's not around and they're just left to their own devices end up doing their own ridiculous bullshit too and so a lot of the tensions between the two crews where like they're like guys fuck off we're like having fun sewing like pirate flags right now <laughs> and, and the other one's like i'm gonna tear your fucking eyeballs out and piss in your eye sockets if you don't scrub the barnacles off the side of the ship <laughs> Absolutely. I like the I, I liked your comments about it being like the odd couple. And I could kind of see Taika Waititi talking through the concepts of the show. Like the odd couple, yes. but on the high seas. <laughs> yes. So I definitely recommend it. it. It's been a fun watch. I'll check it out for sure. Uh, you, you said you were caught up. You had a few that you were. Yeah. So I also got to make a little bit more progress on Ted Lasso. I'm uh, Oh, excellent. I've seen I finished the first season and mm-hmm. I've seen the first two episodes of the second season. I watched one 
while I was eating dinner tonight. So, Excellent. yeah, it's Enjoy been, it. uh, oh, very much so. It's been, uh, so it's been very good. Um, I love it so I, much. I have to say the first season ending, I mean, all along you had to, like, they were very obviously heading towards relegation. Yeah. And then to watch the roller coaster of, well, we're just going to try our best. We're going to try and win. We don't aim for the tie. Okay, maybe a tie's not the end of the world. Like, let's, if we have to do it that way, fine. But we're really trying to set this culture of we want to win. Yeah. Play hard, do the right things. And that's going to lead to our success. And then it's like, oh, wow. That they, they, the team that we didn't expect to win, win won. So we really do only need a tie. And also, we're tied. With like two minutes left in the game, oh god, how are we gonna lose after all of this? <laughs> yeah, that whole thing, like just the way it goes down after all of that roller coaster of will they, won't they? Oh my god, is this just gonna be the cookie cutter? Because everything has been more or less positive, right? Let's not say there hasn't been darkness, but sure. Eventually, like the cult of Ted Lasso has been for the betterment of everyone around him for yeah. the most part, right? The Even Jamie. kindness. Yes, even Jamie is a slightly better person at the yeah. end of the season than he was at the beginning of the season, right? Despite the fact that he's mostly resistant to his teachings. Yep. Um, but <laughs> for that all to then get the rug yanked out from underneath him, because no shit, a bad soccer team with a not a soccer coach who loses their best player is going to lose and get relegated. Yeah, that's how that works. Like, doesn't matter how <laughs> positive you are, but that may give you the tools that you need to get the long-term success that you desire. Right. And I guess that's what the second season will be about. Right. The, Although it the, seems like the first, it starts with eight straight draws, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> What's his it's, name? Danny Rojas killing the, Oh my <laughs> killing gosh. The dog in the first episode of the second season. Spoiler alert. The, you know, what's great <laughs> is the idea of the character that they, they introduced the new character to help deal with that, right? Doc? Yeah. Okay, so the idea of, like, I feel like the intention started with, like, wanting to bring that character in to explore the psyche aspect of the different characters, and it will go into great depth, and there's so many great stories to be had over the season. I I almost wonder if, like, killing the dog to get her there is was like an afterthought that just worked out really well. Like like where did the yeah, we, where did the storyline start? <laughs> we want to inject a therapist into the storyline to evaluate each and all of their psyches individually and collectively. How do we do that? Because we want to really interrogate this relentless positiveness of Ted Lasso. Yeah. But we can't just start there. So how do we do it? Yeah. Let's try by trying to kill the soul of the second most relentlessly positive person uh-huh. on the show. Who, and we're gonna who do it in a hilariously says, dark fashion, <laughs> right? And then like the 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 moment where you know it's happened when he delivers the line, "Football is death." <laughs> oh man, that show is fantastic. Yeah, f- 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 football is life. <laughs> Dan- Danny Ross, <laughs> don't remember football is life. Football is death. <laughs> Wait, so how did they fix it? Well, football is life, and football is and death. death. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, there's a, I think you're coming up on in either the third or fourth episode, it is a fully Coach Beard-centric episode, and it is just this ridiculous bonkers ride. It kind of seems like it's heading that way, considering in the second episode he was sleeping in the office. Yeah. Um, his love life is odd. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
It's funny. I, so many, I'd be curious where you stand on that episode when you watch it. So many people hated it. I ended up really liking it, but because it, it's different. But. The one I'm curious to see is how it all works out with Nathan, because mm. the fact that he immediately turned into Napoleon Bonaparte with a very obvious small man complex where you gave mm. him just one percent self-confidence and position and he immediately turns into a mini tyrant. Yep. And it's like, Jesus, dude. And like how very obviously they're positioning every time he makes this big, loud criticism of something that it's reflective of what he himself is doing. And Ted just keeps giving him this. Cause like he sees what's going on. So he keeps giving him this cockeyed stare every time he says something like yeah. that. Like, but he hasn't addressed it yet, which I'm surprised he's let it go this long because he seems to really jump on those things at all times in the first season. Like when the, when the the fucking hooligans are are ripping on um, on Nathan, um, and he goes to Roy to and to Jamie. Well, he goes to Roy to stop it. Who goes to Jamie to stop it? Right, you know, and and all the other times that that, that sort of situation has popped up in one way or the other that he hasn't tried to quash it yet with Nathan is interesting. I, yeah. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure they're setting up to be a, a, an important storyline at some point. Yeah. But yeah, it'll it'll build throughout the throughout the season. Um, I forget which episode number it is. I won't say too much about it yet, but have you met Led Tasso? <laughs> no. Okay, cool. So that's coming too. I think Led Tasso might be the, like coming up soon and then maybe following that is the Coach Beard episode. But okay. just you have so many fun things ahead of you, including a Christmas episode, like a Christmas oh. musical episode that kind of fits, but is also its own thing. <laughs> okay. It's great. It's It's really, it's just so much fun. The show is nothing but smiles. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Diamond Dogs. Yep. I think everyone could use some Diamond Dogs in their life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Higgins uh, has grown on me this I like, love Higgins. end of the first season and into this season. Um, the running joke of the first episode that got even more exasperated in the second episode where his office is somewhere different yep. every time that he shows up. Um, and he's just like to- outside the window of the office. Well, to date, my my favorite part, I think the best execution of it was when Sam flips out when he finds out that Ted met with Jamie because Jamie wants back on the team Mm -hmm. and he storms off the field and Ted chases him down and he he has a conversation, tells him, hey, listen, I Jamie approached me and I told him it's not going to work out. And like, you know, they they handle it and it's all good. And Sam walks back out and then. You just see Higgins in the background, just been sitting there the whole time, and he goes, "I thought you handled that very well." And Ted's like, <laughs> as he's sitting on a, he's sitting out in the fucking workout room, yeah. on a bench with like all of his like his stapler and his that's the best and part, right? All of his stacked stuff is on different around. free weights. <laughs> I love it. There's a, he he's in like a broom closet at one point too, and like you see all of his just all of his desk stuff around i love that yeah um and actually even before that scene too it was pretty great where because they're, they're doing they're really probably overplaying this whole ted made a, a, a good joke about it but it was very obvious he was tipping his cars in the first episode when they talked about uh hiring was it dr fieldstone or something like that mm. is her name right i don't um, remember but yeah that you know, you know oh, what are your thoughts on therapy? And he says, you know, I, oh, I think it's great. And this, that, and the other thing, and I view it with the typical Midwestern skepticism or something like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he can tell that he's kind of sort of jumpy, but he's mostly playing it off and he's still trying to engage with her, not on a, 
patient therapist level, but just on the level that he does with everyone, which the Ted level. Yeah. Yeah. Which in his own way, he's his, his constant seeking for connection shows a level of empathy that it is a two way street, right? Even while he's trying to impart his teaching and wisdom and positivity on everyone else, he's getting something from all those relationships, whether he realizes it or not. Like Mm -hmm. he realizes it subconsciously, if not always consciously though, I'm sure there's been some of that as well too. Um, but he, he, even though he agrees to let her come watch practice, doesn't act weird. And she even comments like, listen, most times people really clam up, but you just treat it like normal. And that's, uh, you know, a, a, a good thing. Right. But he keeps looking over his shoulder. Goes, I swear to God, she's getting closer. And they keep cutting <laughs> and they cut back. And she is very clearly sitting like three rows closer and then like three rows closer. <laughs> it's like just a great stupid gag. Yep. That's awesome. I love it. I'm so glad you're into it. What else are you watching? I finally got into a couple more episodes of Reacher. Oh, how's that? Um, it's, it's a good, solid show so far. I think me and my dad have watched the first four episodes. We've basically been attacking it, attacking it at about an average of one episode a week. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's a good, solid, uh, you know, it's a little mystery action. There's a nice. nice dosage of comedy in it, but it's, you know, it's a... Uh, there's a, a conspiracy and there's some murders and it's a couple of people trying to figure it out. And, you know, maybe the conspiracy is within the police department that they're working in and around and and all that. And mm-hmm. no, it's just a good, solid uh, detective story, kind of. Cool. Any other shows? Um, shows. Oh, just I, I, I also get to crush a couple more episodes of review. It's still hilarious. I mean, nice. I'm into the second season of that, too. Nice. I uh, I've been consuming, as I mentioned before, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I believe I only have one episode left this season, if I read it correctly, um, which is a bummer because I really was enjoying it. Uh, but eight episodes feel short. But we'll, I, I guess, don't know. With a comedy show, I guess maybe it's the right amount. I don't, I don't know. It actually seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of open things that need to be handled and not a not a good not a lot of story progression. So it's it's weird. So I'm kind of curious what's uh, what's the deal That's there. that that sucks when a season kind of feels like it spills spins its wheels narratively. Like even if you get yeah. a lot of good stuff in interaction and character, mm-hmm. when like the narrative feels very stuck in the mud, that that kind of sucks. Yeah, there's also there's this great gag that I love that they've kind of gone back to for the season, where like one of the characters in a previous season, uh, was had the mob after them, and there okay. were these two meathead mob guys that are like really dumb but really know their business and they like and they're after this one person they have to like settle a score in a certain way and uh eventually things work out and they become friends (laughs) and and now the two mob bosses kind of show up not mob bosses but mob uh i don't know general whatever they are i don't know like how high up they are in the chain uh but they are they now like help her out (laughs) throughout like the series and like you're always kind of wondering like well if something doesn't go well like are they going to be like after her for money or something like that because they're kind of like giving her protection but it really does seem like they're now just friends Hmm. and it's really funny and they the two characters are hilarious and uh it's just they they came back in full force this season they had like maybe maybe three episodes where they like popped out into the spotlight for a little bit and they're just they're just so funny and their interactions with the different characters. Like everybody, everybody who comes across them knows that they're in the mob (laughs) and they're just like, 
they're also like they're on edge about like okay why are you here <laughs> but they're usually there for like a helpful reason it's it's very it's very silly it's just but, a uh, couple of wholesome henchmen wholesome know? henchmen i love it uh so that shows uh rounding out for the season and it's been it's been very very fun but like i said narratively it could have moved things a little bit further i felt uh walking dead final season part two of three <laughs> continues i continue to be two episodes ahead of airing. Don't understand how that happens, but here we are. That's confusing. Million Little Things. Hmm. I'm still stuck on. I enjoy that show. And then, of course, you're all, uh, this is us. But um, the last few weeks, I've been, uh, I've watched SNL. So because of the the hosts, and this week was no exception. It was Zoe Kravitz. And it was, it was good. It's really entertaining, really fun. Uh, A couple of great skits. And it's I don't really, know, lately really they've weird. been doing a good job. It's really weird. I have not been seeing like who's been hosting the last few mm. weeks. Cause like I said, if I, if I see someone who I'm curious to see, I would check it out. But uh, yeah. weirdly I haven't stumbled across who any of like the hosts have been the last few weeks. So she was good. Yeah. Yeah, she was. It was, it was fun. Just, uh, I've been enjoying it. Always love the weekend update. Um, those are always, those always crack me up, but there were some good, there were some good skits in there that she had. I actually did watch an SNL the other day. Um, I had had it kicking around since like New Year's when they they aired it, or around New Year's when they aired it. The uh, um, the Betty White episode from like ten years ago, or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it was just it had been sitting on the DVR, and I was like scrolling through, like cleaning up some stuff, and I was like, oh, that's right, that was there. So I, like me and uh, my parents watched it on like Saturday morning, like when it was snowing, we were like eating breakfast and stuff like that. So yeah. That's cool. Was it a good one? Yeah, it was. I it's funny. I actually I had seen it. I I definitely didn't remember all of it, but there were a couple of sketch uh, of like sketches. I was like, oh yeah, I remember watching this like when it when it aired. Yeah, that's funny. I uh, thinking back on this week's episode. Um, I always love the cold opens are always always crack me up, but I always love to see like what they're gonna do with the 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 monologue and how they're gonna introduce the host and. But also, obviously, there were, it was very uh, the Batman uh, centric and talking mm-hmm. about Catwoman, and they brought out other people playing Catwoman. So, like, it started off with um, Kate McKinnon, but like in in eighties Catwoman <laughs> attire, <laughs> and just just owning it and being ridiculous as she always is. Uh, she's so fun. She cracks me up so much. I just think she's hilarious. And then another um, uh, cast member. Uh, I think I think her name's Ego Modem came out as yeah. Eartha Kit Catwoman. Uh, okay. yeah. And then then it starts to get more and more ridiculous. A crazy cat lady came out <laughs> played by uh AD Bryant. Um and then Cat Williams. <laughs> which, like, it was just getting more and more ridiculous as it goes on. <laughs> it, I just loved that. Like I, I was like, where like okay, so surely when the crazy cat lady, that was going to, I thought that was the punchline. And then they, yeah. they just keep going. And uh, I like that. See, when you said they had other people come out as Catwoman, I'm assuming, I was assuming that meant like Michelle Pfeiffer sure. and Halle Berry were around, mm-hmm. but no. <laughs> no. Uh, in spirit, <laughs> surely. <laughs> but that was, that was fun. Good watch. Uh, anything, any other consumption? Um, I don't think so that was the majority of it for me this week all right i'm gonna gonna touch on three games that i played very little of okay all right first 
Uh, Elden Ring has been piquing my interest, and I'm not ready to buy it because I don't think I have the time to play it. But I do have a copy of Bloodborne from the like PlayStation Greatest Hits collection thing for having mm-hmm. PS Plus and a PS5. So I downloaded that and I played a little bit of that. And I was really into like the 30 minutes of it that I played. So I am kind of curious if maybe um, I'll be able to to wrap my head around Elden Ring because I kind of want I've been I've been so intrigued by it lately. I really want to just play it. Uh, so I've been enjoying I, I was enjoying that. I will find that it's like weirdly choppy for some reason. And I don't know if there's just something going on with hmm. uh, like, I don't know, maybe I just need like a restart or something. But I thought that was odd. Uh, I played maybe another 30 minutes of Guardians of the Galaxy, oh, which yeah. has completely won me over. Really? It's okay. so much fun. I mean, you seemed like you were enjoying it the last time we talked about it a month ago. Yeah, but I hadn't played it again. And I feel like there's got to be something that's hold, that's like not compelling me to get back on board with it. Now, I'm like, oh, I hope I have some time later to play it. Like, that's like what I'm thinking. Yeah. Because uh, like, it's it's really, it's just a lot of fun. The characters are, are so well developed. The storyline is fun. The interactions are great. Uh, there's another one where you could choose dialogue and it makes a difference throughout the storyline. And like, there's like little drops that'll pop up in the corner of the screen like, this happened because a while ago you said X, Y, or Z. Like, oh, giving okay. you a little hint as to what you did that caused it to go the way that it did, which is kind of cool. That, that's interesting. Or, like, when you make a choice that that creates some sort of branching path, it'll be like, so-and-so remembered that. Or, like, like it'll just give you, like, the little hint that something, that, that what you did was, like, a decision maker. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been kind of cool. And then the other night, I, Brian's been, I've, I've been trying to get to figure out like how to get this uh this xCloud gaming thing working well on my phone um because I'm constantly talking to Brian about this stuff and he this is like he he almost exclusively plays games this way <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah. so I was like he got he got me that backbone for um uh when when we had the baby he's like I figured your gaming habits were gonna change so he sent me that which was very very thoughtful and I've only used it a handful of times and I was like I really wanted to play a game been finding myself really tired but still wanting to like play for 20 minutes so it was a like, perfect opportunity play in bed for a little bit and just go to sleep yeah. and i've i've ran into too many hiccups with it but i did play a little bit of dragon age the first one Origins, uh, because i've never played it before yeah okay and i wasn't into it but i also didn't give it enough time because 20 minutes is not enough time to actually get into that game like that yeah you won't finish most of the prologue missions so. i barely i barely got into the game because i also Wh- probably spent about 10 ch- minutes of those like trying to decide what i was going to do with my character yeah. <laughs> so what did you choose i don't remember i don't what, there's what, only what six choices options? what were they there's two different types of dwarf character there's two different types of human character and there's two different it, types of elf it was a character. human character now what okay. are my two options um or actually was there only well, first of all, were you a mage or were you something else? No, I wasn't a mage. Okay, so were you the noble, human noble? Sure. That sounds right. So like you started in like a castle and your yeah. dad's like the big lord, yeah. yeah. That was the first one I ever played as well. Um okay. I like I like that backstory. All of them are good. It's it's called Dragon Age Origins because there are six different origins characters mm-hmm. that you could backgrounds that you could choose and uh you know, the first mission is Spoiler alert, there's going to be some sort of betrayal that happens and uh, you're going to end up on the run and uh, you're going to join up with the Grey Wardens because it's the only way you're going to get out of your predicament with, that, with your head on your shoulders still. Gotcha. So 
Um, I might I might dip back into it um, and see if it eventually catches my interest. But otherwise, I was thinking maybe I'll just go ahead and play the most recent one. My recommendation is if you want to dip your toes in the water of that series, play two. Okay. What's um, two called? Two. Dragon Age 2. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there is a whole story to why it's called 2 and not Dragon Age Exodus, which is what it was supposed to be called. Mm. I don't know what it is. I know that it was a fight between Dragon Age and or between Bioware and EA. I don't know exactly what all the things that went into that fight were. Even the existence of that game. There's a whole big story to it where EA was in a big issue and they're like, just make us a game that can make money. And they were like, oh, we have all these cool ideas and you're just going to make us rush through making this. And somehow it turned into this obscene sort of magic. Spoiler alert, one of those ways is crunch, but it wasn't the only way. Mm. Um, It was truly magic. What they've referred to as Bioware magic, which 80% of Bioware magic is just crunch, unfortunately. Mm. Um, But it is my favorite game of the series. Okay. Uh, not to say it's necessarily the best game, but it's my favorite game of the series. Okay. But that's the one with the shortest playthrough. Because, mm. like, if you play Inquisition and you play it, it's easily 100 hours. Oh, my goodness. And Dragon Age Origins, if you really play it, is probably, like, 60 hours. Oh, my goodness. But <laughs> if you crush Dragon Age 2, you can probably do it in, like, 30 to 35. Sure. Um, so if what you're looking for is let me dip my toes in the water because it would be really nice if I knew everything that happened during origins, but maybe I don't have to a hundred percent. I could probably do a 15 minute deep dive into the synopsis mm-hmm. and then I'll be able to understand dragon age two. It's possible to do it that way. And if you love that, then you go back and you play origins and inquisition, just jumping in inquisition. You have no fucking idea what's going on. Mm. It's an obscenely long game. and. I'm not saying you won't necessarily enjoy it, but it's just considering that you sure. and I like to tackle a story in its proper order. Yeah. I don't think you're going to enjoy it, which means I think you're going to drop off because it's just I, too much. I'll give this one another like couple of plays to decide whether or not I want to continue through it. So this is basically what like you're, you're not really going to know what's going on until you finish. Like there's like the prologue and then there's like the prologue. Okay. The origin, which takes 10 to 20 minutes of actual play, like post character creation. <laughs> sure. Um, that will tip off you going to join, like all of the six divergent stories mm-hmm. all meet at the end of that. Point. Okay. That, that makes sense. Point on like, yeah, you know I mean, not to say that all the six stories take place in your story, but like all of them lead to that same road mm-hmm. and it becomes super linear there for, what's like the big picture prologue, which is what leads to the actual story proper. Okay. You're all, you're going to join the the recruiter for the gray wardens who is going to meet up with the commander of the Ferelden armies who's, you know, the, and the King, um, you know, him and his top advisor. And there's a big battle that you're just hoping it's a big decisive battle against the dark spawn. That's going to end the threat. Hopefully it's not a real blight. It's just going to be an incursion and that's going to be the end of it. Of course, it's not just an incursion. It is a real blight. Uh-huh. And spoiler alert, you guys lose big time. <laughs> okay, cool. So the whole country story gets begins. <laughs> yeah. And so then the story begins. The whole country is in disarray. The next section is again, it's going to be slightly linear because it, it always sends you to this one specific town. Okay. But from there, once you get past that town, there's a bunch of stuff to do there. 
Okay. Once you get past that town, the story opens where there's basically like three or four different major storylines you can pursue in whatever oh, you okay. want to. It doesn't really matter. So like, I, mean, I would say get to little... get to the point of when you're ready to leave the town of Haven, and I would spend some time there because there's a lot of stuff you can do, a lot of leveling up you can do, hmm. and you can like start the threads of all the stories. Otherwise, you're gonna be kind of undermatched for what comes next sure. in the game. Sure, that makes sense. And like, there's like, like I said, I'm pretty sure there's four major storylines you can tackle after the state. And I would say that it would take you maybe eight hours. Okay. If you really try and get every single bit, maybe less, maybe six. I don't know. Like, but sure. that would be, I would recommend you getting to the point of getting ready to leave the town of Haven. And once you've done, Oh, not, not Haven. Sorry. Um, Lothering. That's it. Um, once you're ready to leave the town of Lothering, you'll know whether the game has piqued your interest or not. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks for being my guide. In the darkness. <laughs> You're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, Listen, you come it. to the right person if you have that's, questions on Bioware. So <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Uh, lots of lots of consumption in small chunks for me. Uh, that's it for you on consumption as well. Yeah. Ah, so I believe it's time for fun games. Yes. You have a you got a movie for me there, Brando? I have a movie. I have the IMDb IMDb page. The IMDb loaded. page. My goodness. IMDb the uh, Internet Movie Database. Um, <laughs> Data page. Yeah. No, that, the... <laughs> actually, that <laughs> All right. Is this movie rated R? Yes. Oh. Uh, is this movie a action? An no. action movie. <laughs> okay. Is it a comedy? Yes. Ooh, rated R comedy. Okay. Uh, did this movie come out after the year 2000? No. Okay. Um. Are the leads of the movie, lead or leads of the movie, uh, former or current cast members of SNL? Uh, I don't, I don't believe so. <laughs> I, sorry, I just don't want to say no and then like have it come back to bite me in the ass, but I'm like sure. 99% sure that, that no. Um, just give me one second. Okay. I'm going to go with no. Pretty confidently going to go with no. Okay. <laughs> um, that was five. Is the does the movie take place contemporary to the time it was released? Gonna say no. Oh, okay. I, I will say it's within. It's probably within like arm's reach of contemporary, but like not one for one. Okay. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, is this movie part of a series? No. Okay. I so badly want to ask the primary lead question. <laughs> um, okay. Within arm's reach of when it was released, I'm assuming... All right. I guess I should ask. Is this a 90s movie? Yes. Okay. So, okay. It could be within arm's reach, probably on either end of the 90s is my gather. Like, so like 70, like somewhere probably from like the 70s to maybe slightly futuristic for what it's for its time. Uh, Okay. Rated R comedy from the 90s with not starring former cast members of SNL. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Um, who do we have? Jim Carrey in this movie? No. Okay. I did suspect that that was going to be, if not your next guess, one of your, one of your next uh, questions. Okay. I am interestingly... Finding myself limited as we do during—is this like when you're like when you've got when you put two 
words in the wordle and yep. you've got so many letters but you're like i i have there's no more words no more words can be made <laughs> despite despite being wildly different games i notice a lot of similarities that both of us engage with this game and with wordle in very similar ways where it's like oh wow we've gotten some really good information and a bunch of really like things we know it's not but i don't know how to get to where i got to go from here <laughs> uh like last week when I just like, I just didn't have questions to ask anymore. <laughs> 90s rated R comedy, not starring an SNL cast member, takes place around the time it was released. Is this a cop-centric movie? No. That's 10. Great. Um, not part of a series. No Jim Carrey. That hurts. That hurts. <laughs> Not an action movie. You know what's funny? Is the SNL question is extremely limiting or cast too wide of a net. (laughs) There's there's no in between. Uh, Schrodinger's SNL. Oh, goodness. Um, Am I particularly fond of this movie? I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. Okay. I don't know if this is worth asking uh, or if I should make this a question or if we should like I'll, like, are you fairly confident I've seen the movie? <laughs> well, uh, we have had that as kind of part of it before. <laughs> yeah, um, it's tough because we both watched so many movies and we've talked about almost all of them. But yet, still, that doesn't encompass all of the movies that you've seen, nor all of the movies that I've seen. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't really know. Not I, I'm not. You said not that. What 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 was your answer to my question? Am I if I'm fond of it? Um. I, I'm not aware of you being particularly fond of it. Okay. This is, is, to, to phrase it in a better, cleaner way, this isn't a movie that you've ever brought up to me saying, I love this movie. Gotcha. Okay. Um, is there, are there sports involved? No. I feel like that eliminates a whole other swath of movies. <laughs> it does. Well, who am I missing? I've never brought it up to you. Um. Is this like a workplace comedy? No. No? Damn. It's gonna it's gonna go the office space route. I realized that was probably too limiting of a question in hindsight. No, I'm there's I'm sure there's others, but that without was, like, that was, what was on like, my mind. Without getting into nineties I was gonna say with, with without going into like nineties specifically, just all comedy movies. There are a lot of workplace comedies. <laughs> Is it a romantic comedy? No, it's not a traditional rom-com. There, there is a romance that's central to the movie, but it's not a it's not a rom-com. <laughs> is there something about romance in this movie? <laughs> no, I, I'm just like, I it's very. I just want to be clear. It's definitely not a rom-com. Okay, man, we've actually eliminated a lot of stuff. No sports. Yeah. No cops. Uh, not a rom-com. Uh. What is the theme of this movie? Is this a... <laughs> comedy. <laughs> it's a comedy. Uh, no SNL. No SNL people. Hmm. I'm foreseeing that you're going to run into the same situation that I was in last week. Not to say that you won't get it, but I'm like, you're quickly running into like the exact same issue that I was yeah. in. I've not, I'm not, I've not particularly, I haven't brought this movie up to you. This isn't a movie that you've brought up to me that you're a fan of now. Okay. Mm. Uh, 
is this like a traditional buddy comedy, like where there's like two co-leads ensuing hijinks? No. No. Not in, in that way, no. Okay. That eliminates another whole set of movies. <laughs> I'm sure there's, I mean, there's a lot of overlap with the other categories too, but still. So like, this is why I just said before this last, by the way, that was 15, but um, the, this is why I said like, I, you're literally falling into the same situation as me, like where it's like, okay, I've literally eliminated almost every single movie in this genre. And the one I didn't eliminate oh, was the one that it was. And like, that's basically where you're at as well. Um, and in the same fashion, like both of us have seen, like, I know you've seen the movie that I'm, I have for you. And you knew I had seen the movie that you had for me last week. Like we're sure. in almost the exact same situation. Oh man. Um, takes place around the time that it released. It wasn't like a dead on. It takes place in the nineties. That's interesting. Maybe I should try to focus on that. Now there's some movies that I'm thinking of, but I don't know when they were released. Is this a phrase? I don't necessarily care if it's critically acclaimed, but is this like, does this movie have like a large fan base to your knowledge? Like a cult classic type thing or. Okay. I was like, could you phrase that better? Because that's a really nebulous question. Um, I think it would be accurate to call it a cult classic. I think the global community is like fond of this movie, even if I don't care so much if it was critically successful like so what i was what you're so what you're asking yeah it's called classic yeah okay it's yeah a movie that was not necessarily not necessarily critically or financially successful but has a big fan base yes cult classic mm-hmm. oh shit i just scratched open like a scab that i didn't know i had and i'm bleeding oh gosh don't do that uh, not, not not a lot just like like a speck of blood um is this like a what's a, what's another comedy show? like is it a, how, a courtroom comedy? Yes. No Jim Carrey though. What was I trying to get at? I was thinking about liar liar. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, what was my goal there? <laughs> yes, kind of hurts. Um, the yes is gonna be a problem for me on this one. <laughs> was that seventeen or eighteen? I'm sorry, I got distracted by my bleeding shin. Okay. Do you and or your family quote this movie regularly? <laughs> it took you long enough. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I, I thought you were right. yes. Is it my cousin Vinny? It is my cousin Vinny. Okay. Uh, fun fact about my cousin Vinny. I don't know that if I've ever made it fully through that movie. I know we've talked about the movie before. Yeah. I know you said you kind of could take it or leave it. Yeah. Um. I assumed you had seen all of it concerning it's like a, nine, a 90 minute I long movie. I assume you have taken it once. <laughs> in order Maybe to have left, left it, it I, assumed, <laughs> I assumed that in order to have had the option to leave it, oh, I must have at least goodness. taken it one time. Under the wire. Was that on 20? Uh, it or was like 19 or 20. Like 19? I said, I was very I was very distracted by my bleeding shin. That's, that's, um, that's fine. Okay. All right. I, I was just really glad that you didn't ask before you settled on it being a comedy, whether it had been nominated for an Oscar, because oh, Marissa no. Tomei won an Oscar for that movie. Amazing. And that would have totally that, Yeah, that would have you. jacked it up entirely. Oh my goodness. You wouldn't have even been you wouldn't have even been in the stratosphere. I think I think I'll only I think I will reserve the Oscars question for like when you know for post, a fact it's a drama. <laughs> post or post two thousand. Yeah, Here's dude, a, the, 
the nineties in particular are a very weird time, but even the early two thousands, there's a lot of weird nominations, but specifically I noticed, I I noticed specifically though, there was, I don't know what was going on with the Academy in the nineties. There is some weird cocaine, weird (laughs) nominations. It can't just be cocaine though. There's some weird nominations. Yeah. And she won. There wasn't even a nomination. She won. That's awesome. Good for her. And it's not to say she wasn't great in the movie, but like, that's not an Oscar movie. That's not an Oscar performance. It wasn't a critical or commercial success. The other day was the 30th anniversary of that movie coming out. And there was just this whole big thing on the internet. The Ringer did a big story about it, how it became a cult classic, which I didn't actually finish reading that article. It's still tabbed open, but like... (laughs) And they weren't the only one. There was like a bunch of people talking about it all over the internet, like yeah. like, like within the past week. And I was like, that is such a weird movie because it's not, considering it became a big cult classic comedy movie, that's not a conventional comedy in any way. It doesn't right. have a big comedic star. It's got two big stars in Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci, but neither of them are known for their right. comedic chops specifically. Um, hmm. It's a very niche U.S. was this a courtroom comedy specifically for Liar Liar because other than those two movies is there another courtroom comedy ever let alone just in the 90s what no no, I'm saying yeah you're right I don't know where I would have gone and I'm kind of glad that I asked it in forgetting that Jim Carrey was not in the movie yeah but but otherwise I I, otherwise I don't think I get there no considering what you had had and like I said you basically eliminated everything to the point where, like, you either have to know that it's this or not, because how else are you going to get there? Joe Pesci and, and Marissa Tomei are not comedic stars. Ralph Macchio, like, Bruce Gill, like, you're not getting there with, like, the actor or actress. I should not, really I don't hone know, in I don't even know the, who directed that. On the, did, on the do the biases quote this, I think it's the fastest route to get Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> do <laughs> the well, biases quote a- this? Yes, particularly while they're drunk. Yes. Well, specifically, specifically, <laughs> specifically my dad. It's not yeah. like that's like our whole family that does that. It's literally just him. <laughs> oh man. Oh, we did it. We did it. We got there. I I feel I feel good. What was that one? Did I lose one? I lost one like two weeks ago. That that didn't feel good. Oh, it was uh old school. Yes, it's old school. Technical error. Putting an asterisk next to that loss. Uh, <laughs> with that let us get it was, into, it was a contested loss it's contested let us get it's like when you have a gold medal but like yeah with the, with the stars next to it uh, let us get into our flick of the week the batman released in 2022 rated pg-13 with a two hour and 56 minute runtime your imdb synopsis when the riddler a sadistic serial killer begins murder Are are there non-sadistic serial killers? I mean, you could just go about your business and kill them, like you. Sure. You know, he he likes to play with his food. I think is that's true. That's true. All right. When the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is for the Batman is forced to investigate (laughs) the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. My goodness, what a treat! Al, give me your hot take. Damn it, I always lose my fucking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Dark, brooding, calculating. That describes Riddler, Batman, and the Batman at large. Mm. Finally, it finally gives us the detective Batman story we've all been waiting for on the big screen, along with some excellent story twists and action. 7.5 out of 10. Nice, nice. Okay. 
Matt Reeves manages to honor the spirit of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight while creating his own unique on-screen presence for the Batman, shining a light on the previously underexplored detective. He gives us the hero we deserve as well as the one we need right now. 8 out of 10. Okay, okay. I loved it. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed it. I am so glad we have this now, this detective-centric version of it. The... The I feel like kicking off the movie from the POV of the Riddler and getting just immediately diving into the villain, like it, almost in a, in a similar fashion to the Joker entrance, right? Like we're in the Dark Knight where we're like, okay, let's focus yeah. on on what the 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 tough thing to overcome is going to be. Um, uh, I I do have a quick question. Yeah, how did it like actually physically start? So here's the thing. I saw it last Friday. I was mm-hmm. off work Friday. I had to burn my last two vacation days before they expired. It's like, I'm off Friday. I said, perfect. There's like a, it was 2.15 or 2.30 showing. I forget whatever it is at like the local theater. So it's like 10 minutes from my house. Nice. It's like, go see it. I'll still have my whole Friday night ahead of me. Be perfect. Leave my house. Pull into the parking lot. Walk in to buy the ticket. The clock is striking the time of the start as I'm buying the ticket. Sure. Walk inside, sit down. The movie had already started. There was zero trailers. Ooh, that's weird. Since when? On a yeah. new release? Yeah, that's impossible. My like, movie this isn't started a movie that's easily forty-five isn't... minutes after it was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, and like I know a lot of local theaters do like smaller or shorter trailers than like an AMC or whatever does, right? But yeah. like, I, it's not like this is a movie that's been out for six weeks. It's been out for like a week and a half. Yeah. Okay. So the movie I don't starts understand. off. It is. Uh, literally the POV of the Riddler, like so much so that they actually did like the you see the the, the circular the outline goggle yeah. thing on the on the screen, um, and he's what he's looking into an apartment across the way, and there's a father that walks in on a on a well you don't know I guess you can't really fully tell it's if like what the age difference is until you realize what's going on, um, it is his son who is got a sword and is dressed up and he looks like he kills the guy, but it, they're both playing around. Um, and you, you, you come to realize, okay, he's dressed up. It's, it's all, you're piecing it together. It's dressed up. It's Halloween. You see a jack-o'-lantern out. I believe it's like outside somewhere. Um, you also saw there was security in front of the building. So, you know, this is like a person of importance. Uh, and the kid is taken out by, I think the mother to go trick or treating. You piece all that together. Uh, and then, we move into the Riddler, like going into the apartment. Okay, I think that was. There. I think I was. I walked in. As, it must have been just as right the second after, like the kid and the mother walked out of the apartment. Then, so mm-hmm. I didn't really actually miss anything. No, no substance. No. But I just want to make sure, like, there was no cool way that, like, the title screen came up. Oh, or whatever, so like, sorry. There was a cool. That was pretty cool. Uh, they. It was a full screen takeover. Like it fit everything and it said the batman like big like just really big kind of like joker popped on the screen during the joke like and it fills the whole space um when they in the joker movie uh they did they did that like whole screen takeover thing it was just like it was just a cool like artsy title card i liked i liked it even though it's like plain it was just like it was like big and like batman is here kind of so which is cool well you mentioned the dark knight opening and like obviously that started with like you know like the the blue outline and like you know mm. and uh that that rising you know, yeah 
the so, fire. Um, uh, yeah. I, yeah, and then, yeah. So like, I just wanted to know if there was some. So it sounds like there was something kind so of. So one one cool special. thing though that you that you didn't get to experience then from that intro is you don't know what we're looking at and like or who we're looking at and immediate gut reaction is like okay Thomas Wayne young Bruce are we are we doing this understandable um and then. No, we're not doing that, and we're not going to. I think was the message that was being sent, <laughs> like from yeah. like from from doing that scene, and I, which I think is pretty cool. And yeah. it kind of gives you they're doing they did the they did what is it Spider Man Homecoming or Spider Man? I was going to say they, of like they clearly to took yeah they took that lead of we know it happened it existed we're not going to pretend it didn't happen but we yeah. don't need to talk about it you know that story let's just get on to this part. batman is bruce wayne is an orphan is is ubiquitous like throughout the entire world everybody knows that <laughs> yes a lot of other things have changed in some way shape or form right but not yeah. that and some choices <laughs> we made in this movie that, we, that we'll get to that i think were really cool and are going to open things up for some interesting storylines going forward um but immediate vibes from like the from the first murder, like <clears throat> there's like some weird, like tw- like that the Riddler. I mean, we're going, we're we're pretty much walking through this movie. Um, <laughs> the Riddler is standing. That that reveal of the Riddler in the shadows from the flash of light of the TV was terrifying. Yeah, right. Like the like. Okay, I just hit. Yeah, the the way he jumps out and like attacks him, like cracks him. Over he the sounds head like a Tuscan like, Raider. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and it was it. Was, I was like, well, and kind of looks like one. If we're being honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, no. I assume that's why you said it that way is because like the with the mask and like the very rounded like like protruding like eye goggle. Thing, it was like, more the noise that he made when he jumped yeah. in and he lunged. Well, it's the two him. things in conjunction. Yeah, <laughs> for for sure. But uh, that was cool because I feel like it starts to show you like this is the first kill and it's sloppy, but it's also like there's determination behind it. Like they're they're really establishing the character in a handful of scenes. Um, without really any dialogue, um, and like that's pretty cool. Like the dialogue is of the victim, um, yeah. <clears throat> and I it's, thought that was awesome. talking to a phone and everything, right? Like, yeah, know. and like clearly, it's like there was like an expectation that the polls are not going their way that they thought they were, and like it seems like maybe there's some shady dealing into as into why they thought it was going to go well. Like that, you kind of get you get. Uh, I feel like you get a whiff of corruption from the phone call. <clears throat> Excuse well, me. Well, it's Gotham, so right, and then only to be followed by this, and then and the birth of the serial killer, the Riddler, and I think when you couple that with like the messaging and the clues left behind, and like the style of the cipher and things like that, there's like very big Zodiac killer vibes, like like influences. I think for this version of the Riddler, yeah, I've seen a lot of Fincher references in regards to this movie between mm. seven and Zodiac yeah seven and as well so that's that's understandable why people feel that way i, I <clears> definitely <throat> can see that so that, i thought that was that was pretty cool and it was also just like an exciting it was it like to set the tone so well like immediately i think like there's like, we're not wasting any time like for a movie that is long like we're we're gonna establish things rather quickly of like this is the tone, this is how things feel, this is the Gotham that we're we're developing. Like I feel like it all played out, it was all so well done. And mm-hmm. it really set the stage very like I said, like quickly, just so that we could dive right into the story, which again kind of goes back to the we're not doing an origin story again. We're diving in, we're going deep, um, onto a specific phase in the in the in the Batman's uh trajectory, like his life. Like, I think there's an interesting concept here of, like, <clears throat> you've gotten so many times you get the origin story. 
there's been multiple times where we've gotten, you know, we, we've either gotten through a series and like Batman's well established, even the even the Burton Batman, right? Established, like yeah. he's there. Um, this is like this is very specifically and like pointed out like this is the like it's it's not year one, it's year two Batman, which I think is yeah. a really fun way to start the story. Well, yeah, I guess he yeah he did literally say that right? Like he's been doing this. He hasn't slept much in two <clears throat> years or whatever. Yeah. Like two years of nocturnal activity or whatever. And I can we even talk about that for a second? Like how to focus on that aspect of it, like that he has been spending most of his nights out on the prowl and like the actual toll that it takes on the human body. And like we hint at it in certain other portrayals, but like the actual light sensitivity thing, I think was a really cool. Obviously, the reflection of like the bat and all that. I think that was a really cool thing to do. I think it was just uh, an excuse to why is Robert Pattinson's Batman so pale? It's because <laughs> Robert Pattinson is pale, but also it's because Batman wouldn't see much sun now, would no, he? No, <laughs> also, no, especially he considering there is no such thing as sun in this Gotham. It was cloudy or raining every single scene. So yeah, there was. I think the only time it's not is the funeral, <laughs> right? Um, and I feel like that's not? just because we need a lot of. Oh, actually, was it raining? Well, I feel like it was hazy at least. Oh, maybe, maybe. My point is, it was even like hazy and cloudy when it's not actively raining, and it's raining in most of this yeah. movie. I, I mean, it's supposed to be Gotham. Gotham's always supposed to be shorthand for New York City, more or less. Um, we literally have Gotham Square Garden, which obviously <laughs> would be MSG in New York. Yeah. And yet, I have distinct Seattle vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, because that's there's fair. never a single ray of sunshine. <laughs> that's that's like the, the interesting thing about Gotham. I feel like in in all storylines is like it's like Gotham's New York City, but sometimes it's over here, and sometimes it's over here. Sometimes <laughs> it's, it's in Pits- Pittsburgh, and sometimes it's in Seattle. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes it's in Pittsburgh because literally we shot it in Pittsburgh, and look, it's the entire Pittsburgh Steelers, but they're the <laughs> Gotham. Guardians or whatever the fuck they were. Gotham City, Seattle, New York. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, introduction to, I think, well, on top of getting a, a dope introduction to the Riddler, we also get a really just badass intro to the Batman, right? And like, I really idea... liked that whole journaling thing that he oh, did. Oh, man, like, that was like, cool. Narration. That was cool. I love it. It's just a different take. Like, yeah. I also like the idea of. I mean, we talk like this is the detective version of him. He knows <clears throat> that he has to keep certain things forefront and that he, he he understands how the human body and mind work. He knows that he's going to lapse memory, constantly being awake and doing these things. Like, yeah, that, that whole thing playing out. Also, the juxtaposition of his notes and the Riddler's notes is mm-hmm. kind of cool, right? Of like very calculated, cleanly written. Well, it takes a while to journaling. get that, right? But. Yeah, but it, it takes it, a while it, to get that parallel. But yes, yes. Yeah, we we get that. I think what's cool is we get that parallel to jump ahead. We get that parallel when the Riddler exposes to the audience that he kind of sees that Batman was his partner in crime the whole time, and and uh, that was kind of a trip. That was that was. I think those are really cool. Like that was that was a twist for me. Well, it was a twist for for two reasons. Well, or a couple. I, I I think it's kind of a layered situation, right? Where it's he's doing. I think he's taking the. He's very much taking the cue of Nolan with the Joker, and obviously, so many other Joker stories have done this as well. Where we're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, right? we're the same, right? We we've gone through the same exp- and, and and obviously they they very literally define it, right. We're both orphans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're both our our, our 
parents were important people. Our parents were directly linked, you know, so we, we are mirror images of each other in that way. But then it also becomes this whole thing where it's like, you inspired me and I inspire you, which again mm-hmm. was kind of a joker thing. But then it goes even further where I, and it doesn't pay off this way, but I wondered, was he trying to do this kind of like 11th hour twist where it was going to set up and frame Batman where mm. Batman and or Bruce Wayne gets arrested because he found some way to implicate him as if he had actual, not just been a spiritual companion to him, but a literal one where yeah. was he going to have doctored up some proof? And this was supposed to be his quote unquote confessional that like, no, no dude, it's fine. Like we're here. Like you, I saved you a spot in my cell next to me. You and me can watch the world burn together yeah. because we did this together. You and me, we planned it from the beginning. And I'm like, Oh boy. Cause that would be a twist. If yeah. somehow Batman got exposed and or arrested because of what he says. And well, thankfully it doesn't, although yeah. I guess it could have been a cool shocking way to do that. For sure. I, I do think that though, um, that's an interesting idea. And he he's gonna he needs a minute to reset now that he now that his whole vision of how things are is shattered right like because he's this wasn't supposed to go like this that, and that was like I mean you wanna you wanna give an uh, unexpected Oscar nom like that was that blew me away uh, but when you uh, so you you have that aspect it's, it's of a it. shame they really only gave him like two or three scenes to to, to actually really show to, off to like, it up. when he's behind the mask his voice is so heavily modulated like. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not not knocking the performance, but like I, I can only give so much credit to that because they they yeah. doctored the voice and so much of it's delivered as like ADR, or like yeah. But like those two or three scenes were really great, but it's kind of a shame that that's all they gave him to actually mm-hmm. do on screen. You know, it's, yeah, I, you know, but there's also like the less is more type thing because like I feel like he really owned those like the two in particular is one that breakdown right <clears throat> the the whole Bruce Wayne with well, the way that he was saying that was a little odd to me. But the the breakdown when Batman's like, um, oh, <laughs> we're not <laughs> working together. What? Uh, that whole breakdown was amazing. The other thing that really got me uh, was just the very subtle grin when they put his face on the counter when they were arresting him. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it one bit. I was it's, like, this is not the, the end. <laughs> it's the Simpsons mean the, the kid sitting on the bus. I'm in danger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, to go back to your point of like, does it, like it would have been an interesting concept if maybe he set that man up. I could see a sequel being something dark where like the Riddler is orchestrating things on the outside from the cell in Arkham. And and that is the end goal is to get the Batman into Arkham with. Him. Yeah. Like to, to no, no, I like. I was right. We are the same. Like, and like, get him. Which, which, if that's what their plan was, I would have rather them not done that scene in this movie because mm. I feel like that would have been a killer thing to deliver, like, midway through the next movie. Mm. Because, like, as that plan is coming into sure. fruition. Or I think that, well, I mean, if, if you do go that route, the twist could be that you don't realize, or like, even until halfway or even the third act, you don't, you don't, it's not even revealed to you that the Riddler is pulling the strings. Yeah, uh, but there's 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 ways. I don't know what they'll do, but like that that could that that would be cool. I'd be down with that. Uh, the man, he he really he gets he breaks. No, no, no! Like when he's hitting his head, I was like, ah, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, Batman, you about to break that that glass? You're getting pretty riled up yourself. <laughs> also, like that's definitely bulletproof glass. I don't think you can punch your way through that. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna try though. 
He's going to try. Uh, so circling back, let's go jumping back to the beginning, uh, the introduction of, of Vengeance himself. Uh, <laughs> the, the whole over voiceover thing, um, ex- explaining explaining where the character is at like that is that was pretty cool right we're not getting an intro but we're getting the establishment of like how the world sees the batman currently or specifically how the criminal mind and sees the batman currently and showing the fear through the like the characters looking up and seeing the the bat signal and then showing the fear in their eyes and like the like how it's affecting their like their choices and decisions was a really cool idea and then again back to like what he, he is actually reading from his journal or, or reciting as he's writing it. But like, I can't be everywhere at once. This is how I'm everywhere at once. Like type of, that was awesome. And then, but I am somewhere. Right. And then like, there's like this crazy thing going down and to hear the, 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 I was going to say the idea of Batman covering an entire city by being like a, by using the bat signal as a force multiplier. Like if you see the thing, Sure, I could be on the other side of town, or mm-hmm. I could be on the other side of the corner that you're about to walk around. Like yeah. you don't know. Go ahead. And what's it gonna be? <laughs> I feel like that was a that was a really cool. I feel like so. I think what Matt Reeves did that was very effective was pulled a lot of really great pieces from a lot of great stories and great depictions of the Batman. That one I particularly I was I mean that rem- is reminiscent of of Nolan, right? Not tonight, man. Like with the whole drug deal when the bat signals yeah. up. Like that was like almost almost shot for shot with the <laughs> with the guy robbing the bank or robbing the uh the convenience store. Like almost was going to back out would have backed out of it if he saw it before he went in. Like that was that was pretty cool like pulling on that. And there's a number of other things that we'll get through, I think, throughout this. We're like, oh, take a little, take a little piece from this story, take a little piece from that story. To be able to do that, string it together, but also add new elements, I thought was pretty awesome. Um, there is a lot of that that's really good. There are some very specific things that are not good. Um, mm. I guess this would probably be the point where I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the era of good feelings for a minute, just sure. a, a gripe I have. Again, I already said I like the movie, mm-hmm. give it a pretty good grade. I did really enjoy the movie. As far as like criticism, this movie finally was where this thing I've been complaining about, worrying about, reared its ugly head. Where there, it felt like so much was cribbed off of the long Halloween movies that mm. we just did, like a month ago. Where like that whole intrigue between the Maroni and Falcone and Catwoman and Thomas Wayne being involved and like it's all the exact same intrigue that we just saw like a month ago. And like this is what I've been getting at all along of like having multiple Batmans on at the same time. Like mm. It would have been kind of whatever if that happened three or four years ago, but it, it literally happened within the past six months. Well, what what about uh, like that Thomas Wayne wasn't actually involved though, and like wasn't a bad guy? No, but like they even come right out with the same story about oh, oh I forced Thomas Wayne to fix me up, gotcha. and, and little Brucey was watching me, and it turns out to be a big reveal that he's Catwoman's mom and we have to deal with that whole thing where she tries to kill him. Like we literally just watched that. Sure. Sure. I I would be, I mean, if you, I think one thing to consider there is there are like, that could be a specific storyline that resonates for whatever reason with the person writing this one. Right. And I think there is a little bit of leeway I'll give on that in that the majority, I feel like the majority of the audience 
that is going to see this probably didn't watch that animated movie sure. or, or read that graphic novel. They're probably like my, the film Batman people. My 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 complaint isn't even directed at the movie because it's mm. not the movie's fault. This is my my complaint is at DC Warner. Like yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Have it, and that's all along I've been saying is like, why are you greenlighting multiple different projects of the same thing at yeah. the same time okay. in that's different fair. mediums? This is what I've been saying all along is I feel like we're gonna run into this situation where you're gonna have this overlap or contradiction. Mm-hmm. Um, contradiction almost would have been better in this case because there are so many different versions of the Batman story yeah. to get the exact same version of the backstory to these five interlocking characters mm-hmm. so close together. Like, it's a DC issue because they could have just said, oh, Matt, we got this other animated movie that we yeah. wrote and have coming out. Could you not use that version of the Maroney story? Could you do a different version for your movie? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's not his fault. That's DC's fault. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I, my, my complaint isn't with the movie. It's just like, that's whose doorstep it's going to land at because that's sure. what we just watched. That's fair. Um, and it's a, it's a minor gripe because like I understand that's one of the most famous archetypes of the background of these characters like mm-hmm. i know there are other versions where that all that is not what's going on but it's like it was in this movie and it wasn't the thing we just watched a month ago <laughs> yeah that's uh that's fair i think it, it's interesting though to pull on those like <clears throat> like i'm kind of curious like i would assume that there are certain story arcs that really resonated with him that and that's yeah. why he chose to add those elements almost as like nods because i'm not entirely sure how necessary they are to the plot like for example let's let's talk catwoman for a little bit yeah uh, well i was gonna say as far, as far as like the like the other like like gripe about this movie specifically it doesn't have to be three hours long mm-hmm. um it's it's fine that it is like yeah. it it doesn't drag like you feel that it's a three-hour movie but it doesn't drag it's a, it's a good movie it's it's enjoyable throughout it's a little mushy in the middle of it yeah and it gets convoluted with this, the whole, uh, the lot, la rata, a lot of el rata, a lot of like that whole, we didn't need like three twists within that. They could have mm-hmm. probably cut one of those out and they could have cut this palace intrigue out a little bit. And that would have tightened. Sure. It's slightly and like, and then like you would kill the two birds with one stone of my complaints here. Mm-hmm. Like if they just didn't do that version of this story, because you're right. It's not really central to it. It's central to, character but it's not central to narrative yeah that and that and that's what's interesting is it is it's played as central to the character but i don't know that the actual bit of um falcone being her father does much more for the motivation like than her uh, the person that she loved was murdered by this man (laughs) like sure i feel like that in itself is enough it's but it's what put her in his orbit though. But he didn't know. I was also confused about that. Uh, that's that's that, what's that weird, was, right? Because the whole time that was a little ham-handed. Because yeah, when she's first telling the story, it seems she's like, oh, he was always around, and it's like, oh, so he's like your father, but he's not recognizing. Like he's not like admitting that he's your father, but he knows. And, yeah. Like, so he's kind of always keeping his distant. Listen, I, you're not gonna be my daughter, but like. I'm going to make sure nothing really bad happens to you. Like that sort of watchful mm-hmm. eye thing. And then it's like, you're my father. And he's like, mm, what? He's like, what? It's what? Like, no, you can't have both of those yeah. things at the same time. Like, and, and that's, Cause now it's creepy. Cause now it's, he's trying to fuck you when you were six years old. Right. Yeah. That's a God. Um, right. Yeah. That's but, the only way that can play. <clears throat> if he doesn't, if he doesn't know, 
Like he doesn't have to admit that you're his father, or you're, that he's your father. But like if he doesn't know, then it's like why is he always around you when you were a child? Yeah, yeah. It's so, and that, and I do think that yeah. Like they, if they just, I feel like they should have went one way or the other with it. Yes, um, I kind of like they the tried idea to have both. And having having Falcone be her father doesn't that specific piece to me doesn't add anything. It's just a nod to other stories. Well, like I said, the only thing it does is it, it, it that's what forces the two of them to be in each other's orbit in order for it to resonate when she finds out it's him mm-hmm. and then go to kill him is like, because if you don't know if, if, cause if he's not her father, then it's like, okay, yeah, like go kill him. Like whatever. Like Batman and his code maybe wouldn't let it, but like yeah. the audience, like you're probably just, yeah, go ahead and kill him. But like, sure. whereas now, like as a, as like a viewer, you're like, okay, yeah, he's a piece of shit. And I get why you want to kill him, but like also it's your father. Like, that's gonna do something not even for defending him but like for you catwoman for you selena you're gonna cross a line that you can't walk back from if you kill your father not just kill this mafia boss who killed your friend mm-hmm. you know like the, the, the two different situations yeah that's, right? so that, like that's i guess that's fair that's why they did it like it just comes out as very convoluted and clunky that's mm-hmm. my objection like it could have been a, a smoother more streamlined story if they didn't have that whole web Bob like bogged down the main narrative for a little bit. Like it ends up being in a vacuum, interesting and compelling, but within the greater context of the movie and the greater context of like the Warnerverse, like it comes out as kind of clunky mm-hmm. and convoluted that way, right? Yeah, and yeah, I almost wonder if well, one, I guess they could have spent more time on the character or done that character justice in maybe another film, um, the Catwoman character. Or like, I don't think this is the last we'll see of her. No, definitely not. But I wonder if, like, would it have been more interesting if it was flipped on who knew and who didn't know? Like, if Maybe. he knew and she thought it was always, like, that she always had this weird relationship with him because, like, he always kept her close, but she had no idea. And then to come come to find out that there's some evidence of him killing her mom. And then well, I think, piecing I think that what, together. What, if you're going to make it dead set that he has to be her father, it would have been more compelling if... She's getting ready to pull the trigger, and he's like, "Come on, you're gonna kill your old man!" Mm-hmm. And like, that's yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. what creates the tension mm-hmm. in the moment of, "Oh fuck, you've presented this art. Is he telling the truth? He can't be telling the truth. He's just trying to save his skin." But also, it's super convenient that he's always been around and he always had an eye on my mom. Right. And fuck, I was six years old, so I didn't really put two and two together. Oh shit, is he my dad? Yeah. That creates compelling tension yep. in that situation. I agree. M- much more compelling tension than this one, which is fine. Like it is, it just it was delivered clunkily. In 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 the defense, there there was no time to do that. We're already three hours in. Like, sure. My my, my point <clears throat> is, you could have probably found a way to streamline everything that fed into that storyline, sure. which would have given you that time. You and probably there- could have ultimately saw it off five or ten minutes of the movie if you did that in a more clean way. That's fair. And I think what, what, what you also would have gained out of that is I think one thing that's kind of missed in the highlighting, like we're constantly, we're highlighting Bruce and Nigma's their, their <laughs> orphans. Right? <laughs> well... <laughs> I'm laughing for many reasons, and only oh, one of which we can discuss on the sure, show. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, hey, Gary. Uh, <laughs> but we're we're highlighting that they're orphans, right? And like doing that, doing the Joker thing, two sides of the same coin, whatever. Um, but there's there's another orphan that is part of this story, and we didn't really highlight that as uh, like 
this is just another angle. Like, and I think that is that's really cool. And I feel like they should have. Yeah, we, kind sh- of we should have had some sort of connective. <laughs> yeah, we should have had some connective tissue. Like, it's a really big deal that him and the Riddler are both orphans, and it's a really big deal that him and Selena are orphans. But somehow they missed the mark of how all of it's connected yeah. through Batman in that way. Like, yeah, it does feel like it was somewhat slightly less than the sum of its parts. And if you wanna, if you wanna trim off, I'm sure that there's one of my issues with the movie. Not a big one, and I'll get past it because I do think the scenes yeah. are very pretty. But I'm sure. Well, then that, that's that's <clears> what <throat> I, I want to be clear is like like I have some gripes where it's just like ah, this didn't quite work. Where if yeah. it did, this becomes like a nine out of ten. Right. You know, this becomes great instead of just quite good. But I think I think you could recoup like twenty minutes if you just cut each of the slow focusing really closely in on an object scenes <laughs> down by half. Down by yeah, half. you just. A couple of them was good. You didn't need the, quite the the volume of them that, that there was, yeah. and also like you probably you probably could have tightened up the uh, the chasing a lot. Even though the chasing is great, but like so, I'm actually, there's a couple of moments that. Of that they could have. There's a couple of moments they could have just cut that would have I don't know saved us five minutes maybe. I was I was talking to uh, to friend of the show Jesse about the the chase scene, and I agreed with him fully on like he's like he he I think the way he put it is like that scene was impossible to track. And yes. I agree. It happened in all different sorts of <clears throat> places in the city that I have no idea where the connection point is. Yeah, but it was also like a, t- they shot like the whole thing on attached GoPros, and there was you were like the car. The cars were basically crashing and flipping the whole time. It's <laughs> I feel like what am I? What am I watching? And then like real. If you real pull, if you pull out, it's the scene from Talladega Nights where he's just crashing for forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was just it was a very it was very strange. And it went on for a little bit too long. I like the idea of like, there was, I think that maybe, I don't know, maybe Matt Reeves has some sort of fascination with automobiles. There was a lot of focusing in on the bikes, the cars throughout the movie. Mm. So maybe that's just a thing that that he wanted to do. Um, Some of that GoPro thing though, actually ends up yielding some really cool results. I think the the coolest thing where maybe, honestly, it was a trailer sequence, but like, let it like the mounting the camera on the rear view mirror so that you can look directly at the driver's face. I think that's cool. I think that was something yeah. cool about that so that they could deliver a line or a look in the midst of all of this. Um, <clears throat> when you do the, the camera on like the fender and it's just like, I, it, this is one of the camera angles when I'm playing a racing video game. And I just don't know why it exists. <laughs> you know, what it kind of reminded me a little bit of was some of the things that they would do in breaking bad, like the scene where Jesse goes mm-hmm. to fuck with the meth head and he's digging and the cameras on the shovel as it's on his shoulder and yeah. stuff like that. It reminds me a little bit but, of that kind of spirit. And they do it. They do that so sparingly in that show and they do it for like a quick scene, but this was like a car chase. Yeah. Um, the Batmobile, was which like I said, sick, so, some though. of it's some of it's cool, <laughs> and some of it's just a bit much. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, the Bat the Batmobile was interesting. Although at times I kind of confused it for some of the other cars, but, sure. but other times it was very obviously like this fucking hulking like tank Ferrari thing. <laughs> I, yeah, I just like that it was like I don't know. It was like a weird. It was a, as if the '60s Batmobile, like you know how like cars there were like the retro cars. That then came back like the Challenger and Charger. Yeah. Like it's it's like as if the 60s Batmobile came back that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean he was basically driving a bat muscle car. It was awesome. I thought that was so yeah. cool. Also it sounded cool, it sounded badass. When it made that noise and it like I guess he like, I don't know, released like hit the throttle and stopped for a second. 
and but it actually looked like the car broke down. I was like, oh, does the Batmobile not work? <laughs> I also was wondering about that too. I was like, did he like stall out while trying to chase them? Like <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, that was the uh, oh during that scene, I think I had turned to Kim and I was like, you know, it's gonna be fun right now. I'm I'm fairly certain she doesn't know that uh, who's playing the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I told her, and she just goes, she just, she just goes, no. <laughs> he is totally unrecognizable. It's, it's, it, it, he's had such a weird career because he's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. But I'm mean, like, I don't know. I think I've I've heard like he's just kind of like a prick on set. Like I don't think yeah. he's necessarily like a bad guy, like done anything like wrong, wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I just think he's just annoying. Yeah, that's uh, a shame. Hey, but he really, I mean. He really did kill it. I, that was a great. That was a great version of the penguin. I truly, you could have laid any sort of odds. I would have not put a single cent on him giving a Spanish lesson. That was because he played such a like a, a classic like meathead mafioso. Yeah, and he gives them a sophisticated Spanish like lesson on like verb subject agreement or like whatever like you're like or like um not verb subject agreement like um what's it called um preposition or like whatever like prefix <laughs> like like agreement i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty great uh only to be undermined or outdone depending on how you look at it by the follow-up scene where they leave him there and he waddles away like a penguin like a penguin because he's, uh, he's handcuffed. <laughs> oh, that was. Are you just gonna leave me here? And I, I laughed out loud. I was like, "They are going to leave you there." <laughs> Did you say something like, "You like you guys are pricks" or something yeah. like that? Like uh, as they're driving away. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I really enjoyed the level of like buddy cop that we got from Batman and Gordon. Because me is too. By far. I love the relationship between him and Gordon in the Nolan Batmans, but they didn't get a ton of screen time together. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess mostly in the Dark Knight, but s- yeah. still, like overall, they didn't get a ton together. The, the The amount of time they get to spend together on screen, playing off each other, I really liked that, like fleshing out that relationship. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw somebody had I forget. I think it was a tweet about it being like it's not a Bat and the Cat movie, like that like you would have expected because Batman and Catwoman are going to be in it instead like it actually the the pairing is really focused around the two of them and that that it was awesome and well they also kind of like seamlessly handed off like now is a section where we're going to do Batman and Gordon and yep. now we're going to do a section that's Batman and Alfred and now we're going to do a section that's Batman and Catwoman and I like, think sometimes those things will overlap slightly yeah for for sure it's, I, that is fun when they overlap at the uh when they arrive at the bat signal at the same time. And they're both like, I didn't know. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, Jeffrey Wright net kills it though. I like his Gordon a lot. He's like, yeah, I mean, just Jeffrey Wright in general is pretty great, but yeah, I liked his version of Gordon for sure. I also, there's like a certain, there's a certain confidence that he has in the room. Cause he's the Lieutenant right on, on scene when it's happening of like, everybody else is questioning it, but he, he has the confidence and authority to be like, he's with me. I also really like that. That's the first time we've seen that dynamic. We've seen a couple of times, like again, specifically Dark Knight, where Batman interacts with other police officers and mm-hmm. there's kind of an uneasiness. And most of the time it's like, is he allowed to be here? The level of acceptance they had of him, which again goes to how early in his career he is, where he's established. Yeah. yeah. But hasn't burned that bridge yet, like a la, you know, maybe he killed Harvey. 
sure. Dent type of situation. Um, that Whoops. was kind of cool. Like obviously, yeah, obviously, <laughs> like yeah, we we saw a couple of people like giving him side eye. Like, a couple of people were giving him awe. Like, and then you have the one dude who's just like shitting on him directly into his face, and it's like, dude take it down like seven notches here. But like yeah. the fact that like there's 18 cops in the room and he's just, I'm Batman. No one's going to possibly try to arrest me. I'm just here to help you guys out. And like, that was kind of cool to see that dynamic, especially as like there was an ebb and flow where he does end up on the run eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, actually that reminds me brief aside here of a Diane Krugering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guy who played not the commissioner who dies early in the movie, but the captain, the, okay. the guy with the very raspy voice. Yeah. Like the scene where they bring Batman in and and he fakes his escape, you know, from yep. from after pretending to punch Gordon. That guy plays Blackbeard's right hand man in huh. Our Flag Means Death, and I've never heard of him or seen him in anything else. And I've seen him now twice in two totally separate properties that came out like two weeks apart. That's pretty. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, super random Krugering. Yeah. <laughs> the best kind of Krugering. I really liked in the. Uh, in the first crime scene, we're establishing the relationship, right? Between okay, how do the cops feel about him? Obviously, okay, we we, we get it. Him and him and Gordon are working close together. I like that throughout the movie, Gordon and Batman mostly trust each other. Like they're they're putting their chips in that. <laughs> like they yeah they're they're almost like they're all in, but they also realize that they could lose their money. <laughs> I feel like there's an interesting aspect there that is pretty cool. And like over the course of this movie, they they gain they earn they get the confidence in that relationship, I think, by the end of it, right? Like they yeah. they it's more of a feeling at this point because it's obviously it's still very edgy and they, they work well together. Gordon's pretty <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think that's I think that's pretty cool. And in that scene, I love, love, love that the the crime scene investigators are taking pictures of things, and Batman's like, like looks looks at a very specific spot of the floor where there's evidence that they've missed, and the person with the camera's like, oh shit, and comes over and takes a picture of it. That was literally straight out of Hot Fuzz. <laughs> When Simon Pegg shows up at the the crime scene where Kate Planchette is the, and they're all like very carefully, and he goes, "You all do realize that this this window is broken from the inside, right?" And they all turn and stare at the glass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great! But uh, yeah, that 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 killed me. And I also liked, you know, tying things together. I like the idea of like put, placing things throughout the movie that are there intentionally and you can go back and or like even they, they'll even tie them in for you in certain like the rug tucker right like i i don't know what that was i had no idea that, that a rug tucker was a thing but to explain it and then be like oh boy there's more the movie's not over lord of the rings ending sh- part four <laughs> we we should we should have known that it was chekhov's rug tucker sure <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's almost impossible to say uh, yeah i know um <laughs> also like we get that same cop uh, kind of hilarious, like to the point of cheesiness, where he's the one who's talking so much shit in the opening scene, mm-hmm. and then later when he meets Bruce Wayne, he's a total fanboy. Hey, hey Bruce! Hey, Brucey! <laughs> and and then the two of them meet together and have this super awkward conversation. Like neither of us is really supposed to be here, nor wants to be here, but I guess we'll just kind of team up on this investigation briefly, and like one of those weird, 
Like, do you watch Scooby-Doo as a kid? Of course. So you remember how, like, every single episode, it was either Fred and Velma, Fred and Daphne would go searching in one direction, and Mm -hmm. Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby would go in one direction, or it would be Fred, Daphne, and Velma would go in one way, and Shaggy and Scooby would go the other way. But, like, once every 50 episodes, it would be, like, Fred and Shaggy (laughs) going in one direction, and, like, Daphne, Velma, and Scooby going in another direction. Mm -hmm. It's like, these these things don't work. That's not how this is supposed to go. (laughs) And, like, that's what it felt like, where it's like, oh, like, Batman and Gordon have been, like, along it's like okay we're gonna get like the e-level combination it's me and that random cop who doesn't like me and we're yeah. gonna be partners in an investigation and play off each other's unique outlook on gonna, things they, because they... i don't know what a rug tucker is but you do but i also know how to like hack this this computer and stuff like... i just love if this was like a if it's a comedy that that cop's like or like an episode of archer that cop's like Oh, Rug Tucker. Batman turns around and goes, fuck, did you say to me? And he hits him with it and knocks him out. <laughs> oh. Officer, you startled me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and then, of course, underneath that rug, the map of the city with all the bombs. Um, which is... It was... It, it went... It, and, you know, it's funny because it, it's like the movie was felt it almost felt like it was winding down, but there was going to be like one more thing. But that well, one more thing was thing. an entire hour. <laughs> that, that one more thing was, oh, oops, we forgot final act coming up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, also, like you just mentioned it kind of like as an aside before, but this movie definitely does. But beyond what you're just talking about. This definitely suffers from Lord of the Rings ending, where this movie ends like six times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like because it, it ends with like the whole payoff of you know we more or less saved the day, but we didn't save it as nicely as we'd like to. We have mm. a big heroic moment from Batman, Batman, both like as as the hero, uh, like fighting the bad guys, and then as the hero is like the symbol for the innocence, like all that stuff. That scene was really the way that was shot was really cool with him trudging through the water and holding yeah. up the the flare and leading them all out. Obviously they played on that whole black, like that dark screen with the red lighting and a bunch of different ways in this movie. And mm-hmm. that is always kind of a very visually affecting way to shoot things, but it was very cool for that specific scene. Yeah. But then you get after that, it, the, you could kind of more or less end the movie right there as like the shining example of what Batman's supposed to be. He saves the day by defeating the bad guys and uplifting the good guys, all of that together. But then you get the Arkham thing. Yeah. But then you get him and Catwoman. The Bloodhaven, like, yeah, going, yeah. But then you get... <laughs> it's it's interesting that you say, like, saving the day. <clears throat> I think what's cool about this story is because it's early Batman, like, two years is not a long time to be doing this. It's a very, it's a very tough gig that he's laid out for himself. If they don't, they lose. Right? The good guys yes. lose. They Well, Peric victory. Okay. Well, let's go with Peric victory. Okay. The mayor didn't die. Most of the civilians didn't die, but also the seawall exploded. They destroyed the city. Like, yeah, yeah the, right. I guess the, the main thing that was thwarted was um, the mass shooting that was about to take place. I'm also very confused by that plot. Let's talk about that for a second, because one of the, there's, a, there's a handful of things that are very wrong. Well, I have a lot to say about the ending, but the, specifically his plot. I'm okay. very confused by. Okay. Well, you start. So, I'm going to gather... A bunch of disaffected people, I guess, yep. and have them assassinate the mayor. 
so was the plan to have a hundred snipers just so we had one person who could shoot the mayor and then 99 backups in case that person missed? Or were they supposed to be assassinating many people? And if so, well, they only shot one person ultimately. Yeah, they were supposed to be taking out many people. But there was no one else for them to shoot. <laughs> it was meant to be a little. It was meant to be that all of the people of Gotham were going to be in there, and they were going to basically create this catastrophic event of sure, out but Gotham, like, showing people they that had already. Not safe. They had already done great work with explosives. Wouldn't explosives have been the way to go? Like, we have a big ceremonial, we're going to assassinate the mayor, and then we use more of those bombs to just collapse Gotham Square Garden on top of the heads of everyone who's hiding under it as a shelter. I think maybe, I think it was more about the, the, like, the actual action would have created a, a longer stretch of chaos and tension and, like, turmoil, because it would have like, gone literally on for just, a long that's just literally theatrics, though. Like, it's not accomplishing anything. Like, everything else... I, I, I think the intention was for it to be plan. theatrics, though. Sure, but my point was that he had been doing theatrics alongside of an actionable plan at mm. every step. Mm. And now he went for, instead of a 50-50 theatrics actionable plan, it's 99% theatrics and 1% actionable. <laughs> well, I do think that part of it... Like, I don't think that it's necessarily he wanted to kill everybody in there. I do think that, like, the actual main plan of flooding the city to the point of repair is going to take a long time and a lot of effort. I think that is really it. So he succeeds in that aspect of it. No, I get it. He was democratizing the plot. He was giving the plot back to you, the people. (laughs) (laughs) And he gave it back to you. (laughs) Uh, Let's not stand on ceremony. So we uh, well, so no, let's, let's 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 stay with the ending because this is something. This is one of my. This is really like the only other gripe I have with the movie. Okay, I'm curious because if it's going to be the same thing, but go on. Probably, um, or at least like close enough. But me and Mike, hey Mike, uh, we're talking about this yesterday. Mm. Um, this is obviously this whole thing was obviously meant to conjure up like like the January sixth stuff. Sure, like in the viewer's mind. Mm-hmm. But to what end, I ask, because it felt like they had something to say and then they said nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, when that's where you end up, like, either say nothing at all and choose a different way to execute that ending or say something about it. Not, like, set up that you're doing this and do a whole, we, this is the disaffected, radicalized militia men of the country mm-hmm. who like feel a way about things and stuff and like we'll just shoot the pain away i guess like mm-hmm. that it's not saying anything there's no commentary there i i agree i was i i definitely was feeling that throughout that sequence of like w- to, yeah to what end why are we like why like what do you like have, if you're what, not gonna what are you doing? S- if you're not gonna say something about how this happens, why this happens, mm-hmm. what the consequences of this, what are the, the things that lead to this, other than just some vague, we don't like that there's corruptions in politics, which, like, sure, like, I, I, I'm sympathetic to that aspect of it, like, but, mm-hmm. so then, what does that mean, other than just so, that there's a bunch of people who shot at people? I went like, through, I went through this little mental exercise, too, thinking about it, and wondering, like, why, and then I was kind of curious, is, is the statement, did, do you know why you feel this way? I wonder if that was the 
if that if, I, it's very I mean, subtle if that's a, the case that, but that was definitely a part of it but so i ultimately what i took away from it and i think I, it didn't really coalesce until i had this conversation with mike was the way i read that scene is i think there probably was more to all of that mm. and i'm gonna guess the studio said yeah we're gonna have to cut that down because mm. if you look at it like the framework for some sort of conversation is there yeah and it's kind of disjointed on the screen so i have to imagine they shot and wrote more scenes than what ended up in the final cut i'll be curious that would be my guess. to release the reeves cut um no i don't want reeves cut <laughs> no just some, maybe there's some deleted scenes that piece it together no, because they they'll never release that stuff. Because then you're just you're then you're letting him say the thing he wanted to say, mm. assuming he had something to say. And maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I'm giving him more credit than he's due. I don't know. Sure. But to me, the way I read that whole thing having showed up on screen was it felt like there was more to all of that, and it just doesn't make the I, point I, because like I agree, I'm with you. On they that. half say some things, but it's like. It, it plays as non sequiturs because it's not conversations. It's just people saying things mm-hmm. in different scenes. <laughs> it's like, I yeah. feel like you guys have a bunch of pieces to a jigsaw puzzle, but you haven't found like the edge pieces yet to put it together into a picture. You just have kind of like a part of a picture over there and a part of a picture over there, <laughs> the yeah. part of a picture over there. And I can't tell what it is. It's an, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious. There's that. De- it definitely feels like there's something else going on like it, i i would agree with you that it smells of studio meddling yes um for sure because studio covering your ass because there was also a lot of like there was a lot of great storytelling yeah for it to only very specifically not be well told there, <laughs> right when you've reached the crux of both the action and the plot yeah yeah so now that we've had the ser- serious issue aside yeah, I've no, got, wait, let's go back to the fun. I'm I've fine. got let's one fun issue. Fun <laughs> uh, we're all going to go to the high ground. The high ground is a bowl? I don't understand. <laughs> the, hi- the high ground is a bowl. The high ground is the bottom of a bowl. That's SC level, yes. I was like, yes, the high this... ground isn't on top of the bowl, on top of the building. It's in the bottom of the bowl where you can't get out of the exits because right. the water is coming in through the way that you'd have to get out. Then they're like, plan B, go to the roof. Why didn't we go to one of the bigger buildings <laughs> where well, we could have had indoor shelter until we get rescued? Also, have the writers of this movie ever seen a city before? Because when there's an emergency, mm. there's usually multiple Places that people go to be safe. Not all yeah, of them no. come across the entire city to this one you location. go to the fishbowl. Also, I'm assuming the dimensions of Gotham Square Garden are similar to Madison Square Garden. And Madison Square Garden fits like 25,000 people. And there's what, like 8 million people who live in New York City? Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's just, We're it's, off by a couple orders of magnitude here, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um. Oh, there was something else I was going to ask you. I lost it. I lost it. But yeah, go in, go in the bowl. Go to the bowl. So that's usually my job. It's usually my job to, 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 yeah. to have a thing to say. <laughs> and then lose it. Um, uh, we did not talk about one Andy Circus. Yes. I, w- I wish he had more to do. I, I do too. I liked the, uh, I liked their relationship being like he, Alfred is Bruce's punching bag and Alfred, 
Alfred allows it <laughs> because he feels responsible that Bruce is in yeah. the state that he's in, right? And I think that's a really great dynamic to then like i feel like there was a full emotional arc between the two of them for ha- only having what three minutes of screen time together oh man that tends to happen when one of them gets blown up <clears throat> sure but uh but to go to the hospital sequence and like to for that all to on un- for that all to come out of like i i've been like you know treating you like a punching bag until i realized that i might not have you anymore and like my whole world was falling apart right and then like and then him finally Which is telling him that he that, feels responsible for his parents. Like, that, I just thought it was beautiful. It's also definitely something that a young person who's not mature enough has to go through, where mm-hmm. it's like, I took you for granted, I took you for granted, I took you for granted, or I took this thing for granted, I took this thing for granted, I took this thing for granted, and then the thing maybe gets broken or destroyed or lost, and it's like, yeah, oh, that meant a lot more to me than I was willing to admit. And only in the face of losing it do I realize how much I care about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that is powerful. Andy Circus is, I, th- I think, a really good actor. And it was, it was cool to see him show the dramatic side rather than, like, the outwardly villainous or campy side mm-hmm. for once. Um, it's cool to get to see him flex those muscles a little bit. I don't know if you told me this and I forgot and it was reintroduced to me by an ad or not. But are he's reading The Lord of the Rings for Audible. Oh, I didn't know that. But and, I'm not surprised. And that's the ad that I and I was like, "Oh boy, I think I'm gonna have to download these because <laughs> that just sounds amazing to listen to him read the Lord of the Rings I mean, to me." If if Audible was what it is now, ten years ago, it would have been Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. which would have been tremendous as well. True. But, uh, Andy Circus is hardly a consolation prize. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, when that happens, I was like, "We're not gonna kill Alfred in the first movie, are we?" And then and then the bomb explodes. I was like. I mean, I know they they definitely showed us him throwing the package. I just don't think it's enough. <laughs> There's a lot of questionable bomb physics in this movie. Sure. There was a bomb that was put around someone's neck with the intention of blowing his head off. And that bomb blows. Listen, we all know the shape, what shape charges are. And you can, you can really suggest the direction that an explosion should go in. Mm. But that being said, it is still an explosion. And when that explosion happens four feet from someone's face that person probably gets more than I was thrown 30 feet and have a, a bit of a concussion. Usually it ends much worse than that for that person. Also is Batman really bad at counting down because it felt like he was counting down really well. And then he forgot that there was a bomb going off at the end of that countdown. And he kept pulling that person closer to him. Yeah. I think that was, I, I actually kind of liked that bit of it because I feel like it shows you that he's, Still has a lot of seasoning to go uh, in in this role, but like of he seemed really on top of all of the action in that scene up until the moment the bomb goes off. He did, but he was so I think he was so close to getting what he really wanted that like it was like blinders. Sure, it's just like he pulls his best Ron Swanson. Where first of all, could you imagine Nick Offerman as Batman? Oh my god, um, he pulls his best Ron Swanson. Where you know the Riddler's like, all right. You know, you loser DA, I'll give you a chance to not die if you were answering all my riddles. And he, like, answers, gives him, a, like, a clue. And the guy's like, I have no idea. And Batman's, like, bored. Like, it's this. Like, it's yeah. it's justice. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Remember, like, Ron when he's like, I hate puzzles. 
but secretly he loves the puzzles and like i felt like that, i felt like that was but like he keeps trying to like hide it like you know that he's not oh yeah no uh I, maybe you might just want to trick uh this i i don't know though because i'm not into puzzles and all. yeah he's like looking over his shoulder to see if they're doing the thing that's batman where it's like he has the answer before R- the riddler's even done finish like with the riddle and the guy's like freaking out he's like dude shut up for a second so i can tell you the answer i already had it six seconds ago like so like that's what i'm saying he's super in control of the whole thing up until the point of like it's the last four seconds and the bomb goes off. Yeah, <laughs> it's like how can you be that in control and then that not in control in that quick of a turnaround? <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, that uh, Peter Star- okay. Peter did a great job playing a slimy in over his head DA. He got blown up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, I didn't uh, expect him. He to was very still be a. I didn't expect him to still be alive at that point after getting worked over in his own car. Yep. I assumed that we're just going to find him dead again to see that whole thing play out in the funeral was pretty cool. You know, what was great about that scene is hearing like the sound editing and hearing everything going on outside the building and pretty much being able to visualize what's happening without being shown as a clip of it at all. I think that Mm -hmm. was awesome. Like you hear like the screeching, you hear the screaming, you hear some gunshots and then the car oh. bursting through. <laughs> I was like, that was that was pretty sweet. I uh, I loved the tech in the movie. I thought that was a lot of fun. Like the the eyepiece. Dude, those contact lens things, yeah, were, were were great. And like, although it was a little hazy on how you could like talk and hear through the eye, <laughs> the contact lens. But uh, <laughs> there was an earpiece too. I know, but like when she takes it out of her eye, then later uses it to contact him, and she's just talking into the. Like, because he put up all of the things they, on the didn't, the... didn't they show the earpiece next to it? On the table? Did they? I, I, don't I thought, I thought they did, I just, but I could be mistaken. Because you're right. When she goes into the club wearing the eyepiece, she's wearing an earpiece as well. You're absolutely right about that. But then when she, like, goes off the grid for a while and then reactivates the eyepiece to, re, like, talk to him, it felt like they were having a conversation through the eyepiece. <laughs> so I, maybe I missed the detail of the earpiece, but like, and, it, and ultimately it really doesn't matter. I just remember thinking, I was like, are they talking through the contact lens? I'm confused here. <laughs> I did like their kind of back and forth thing. I, I, it was interesting. The one thing that they did substantially change from the version of the, the long Halloween that we watched was in that one, obviously the two of them knew who each other were, their alter egos mm-hmm. and are dating on the side of being Batman and Catwoman. Right. And this one, they don't know who he... Well, sorry, he knows who she is, but she doesn't know who he is. I know that right. you said, I think, in the comic version... It's, of, it's the other way around. Yeah, she knows who he is, but he doesn't know who she but is. even right? better, it's the other way around, and they're together. Yes, well, sure. Um, but, um... <laughs> yeah, seeing her where she finally, like, lets loose, like, hey, listen, I'm pretty observant, too, and I know who you are. You probably come from money, and this, that, and the other thing. And she just talks shit about him, and then doubles down later just absolutely eviscerating bruce wayne to his face yeah. <laughs> like even though she doesn't know him at that point like hasn't met him this and that and the other thing and then kind of softens later on and like deep inside he's just like my heart still hurts from when you told me what a piece of shit bruce wayne was yeah. <laughs> but also i'm kind of in love with you and you're clearly kind of in love with me too yeah i i kind of thought that scene was going to end with him or maybe not that scene i forget but one, i thought one of the scenes towards the end i thought he was going to reveal who he was to her. I'm sure he will eventually, but I thought it yeah. felt like they were building towards that. Yeah. I, they, with so much happening, I'm glad that they held off so that like, there could be more of a story beat. 
I did like the line of, but you're already spoken for. And I feel like while that means like, yeah, Batman is is his whole life and identity right now. I kind of wish that that ended in a cartoon, like heart drawn around him and Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could have just done like the the visual best friends. (laughs) It could have just been like the visual language thing too, where like she says, you're already spoken for. And then there's like a screen wipe and it's just him sitting alone, like looking at the bat signal. Mm. Cause like, that's, you know, that's, that's still that way to, to do that without like the cheesy, here's like the heart thing. Like not that that wouldn't be funny, but I just don't think this movie had that sense of humor sure. to it. Like there are a couple of fun little digs in this, but not that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so go, let's see if there's anything else that I want to, oh. Well, what did you think about like the fight choreography specifically? Oh my goodness. Uh, another thing I talked with Jesse about second best hallway fight in a superhero <laughs> uh, on screen thing because some are movies, some are TV. It it rivaled the Daredevil hallway fight. The the Which, that that muzzle what, when flash he's coming into the thing. club. Though the muzzle. Oh, flash, okay, yeah. I loved that. Was so cool. The the still frame, like the the camera in one position while they did that, like that was unbelievable. I thought that played out so cool. Uh, and then the, it reminded me of it reminded me a little bit of it very clearly borrowed from. Did you ever see Equilibrium? No, different Christian Bale movie. Um, that has some really cool fight choreography mm. in it. That was the whole was a gun kata or something like that or gun. I forgot what the 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 name of the. It's not obviously not a real thing, but like what they named for that movie. Like they 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 did this version of like fight choreography that was part like martial art part like gun thing mm. in the there was a name for it in the movie too i forget what what it was called where the whole thing was that they trained the um whatever the the, the special agents that they were there's a name for their agents and i'm totally drawing a blank on all of it it's been a while since i've seen that movie but the whole point was that they trained and focused so much on it that they could precisely like map out every single most efficient move to make it every time and they like all carried like two guns so it's like they're like turning and it's like shoot 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 you know kick shoot punch with the gun shoot 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 and like there was a scene that where he shoots out the lights uh. and he's fighting a bunch of people who are trained in it but are much less talented at it than he is because okay. they were like the support staff guys not like the singular agent because there was a couple of it's like him sean bean there's an uh, another actor and I'm I don't remember his name that like we're like the like the top level agents were like they can hold their own against like a group of people okay and he shoots out the lights and they shoot the scene in the dark where it's all the muzzle flashes from him and the guys shooting as he's still doing the thing so like the light also comes up from unexpected places because each time it lights his he's in a different position because he's calculated which way That's he's cool. got to shoot it it's really cool. Like the way that's shot, and it was very similar to that scene you're talking about, which was really cool in this too. Obviously, a different version of that, but very similar. That's that's awesome. I I want to watch that. the the other The other bit that I would say about the choreography in this movie is the. It's just like I feel like it's fast paced and like brutal and powerful, like very heavy handed. Like that was the first thing I took away from the execution style, but like his fists seem very heavy. Yes, (laughs) it was the it was the first thing i took away when they gave us a full trailer where they, they showed that it was this the scene where the he fights scene. the guys in the subway yeah where, that beat like, down this, of the first guy 
Yes. It, well, it's the two things. One, it's like you said, his hands look heavy as he's punching. Mm-hmm. And two, the sound mixing was actually like spot on for that, where it yeah. sounds like it's that that deep, like impactful sound of the impacts of his fists hitting those people. And like, I also thought that they did a good job of different. Like, I thought to me, it seems subtly that his fight style changed slightly depending on the situation. Mm. He didn't feel like, like I like. I felt like, I don't mean this as a criticism, but like there was a very specific fight style that the Nolan Batman used. And it progressed slightly as it went, but it was like, it's a very recognizable combat style that he deployed in different ways in different fights. But it was very of the same martial arts tree. This one, he felt like he kind of used a different style for different situations. Situation, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which I thought was like a cool way. I thought that was a cool bit of like character and like. And. an action that, that that was married together and very environmental too right because i feel like he was using like using everything around him in in it as well um, there's definitely that where as opposed to like catwoman where there's a very noticeable style of fighting that she deploys throughout the course of obviously very kick-based mm-hmm. a lot of it like, leverage based because she's so much slimmer and it's slighter acrobatic. than when she's fighting yeah acrobatic yeah um which was very cool in its own way too but like that she had a very recognizable fight style where a lot of it feels expected um just in like th- like that it flowed very logically whereas his it, i thought it was cool to be able to show that his i thought it seemed like his fight style seemed a little different depending on the situation yeah yeah that's that's cool that's a good that's a good pull that's i i agree with that i on top of the choreography and the fighting because the fighting was badass I loved the bat suit. I thought it was yeah, so it was good cool. Too. And I like the the bulletproof nature of it. And um, clearly it's charged like into some capacity with some of the things that he's able to do. Uh, I was a little confused by the bulletproof nature of it because was his cowl, like was his mask, was it solid or was it rubber? I thought it was like leather. Well, my point was, he gets shot in the head at one point and it Did bounces he? off as if it was like plated metal. And then uh, at one point underneath? he like takes it off and he's holding it. And it's clearly like soft. Yeah. I don't, I don't well, not know. rigid. I'll say like whether it be leather or, or like hard rubber or whatever. Like the point is it yeah. looked flexible. Yeah. I didn't realize he got shot in the head. I, I, I'm pretty sure one time doesn't someone shoot him right off like the forehead and it bounces off. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'll have to rewatch it. I, I thought so. I, I could, I could, I could have, I could have like not, processes that properly because most of the time there's one scene where they they're lighting him up entirely in the torso and it's bulletproof and yeah. like whatever it's like like guys like he does have a, like a face that's exposed yeah. <laughs> like why wouldn't you shoot at least once and that's and that you know every movie is like that right but i thought there was one scene kind of early in the movie where someone shoots him like in the forehead and it ricochets off but maybe i'm misremembering mm. that maybe that's not where the bullet actually struck yeah i'm not i'm not sure uh, the one other thing about the suit, the, well, actually the hidden pocket of adrenaline was a pretty cool thing. And then, oh yeah, cle- like clearly he still hopped up on it when he's just like pummeling that guy's face and Gordon's like, it was a Gordon who was like, yeah, he's like, yo, yo. <laughs> yeah. For a second, I, for a second, I thought he was going to turn and go after Gordon because like, yeah. obviously the point was that he's in like a full blood rage at that point. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. And then the, the chest knife. Awesome. I love it. I love that he could take the bat, the bat symbol off of his. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. Can, he can cut evidence tape or he can cut through electrical wires. It doesn't matter. Yes. He's got this. 
Yeah, why did he need to cut the electrical tape so dramatically? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not the electrical tape, the, uh, the caution tape. Why did that was before. That was before the um, the electrical wire thing, so I assume that it's just to let you know that he has it. I guess so, but couldn't they have come up with a slightly more intimidating thing for him to cut than <laughs> caution tape? Like, I feel like Batman could either just duck around it or just, like, <laughs> smack it out of the way. Like, let me dramatically remove my chest piece and sli- carefully slice yeah. this very, this very not strong, <laughs> like, caution tape. Oh, man. One other note that I had, well, actually, there's two, there's at least two other things I want to touch on. One, um, his mother, Bruce's mother's maiden name being Arkham was cool. I don't know that that's been done before. Uh, and I, it was the first I've seen of it, but that don't, don't hold, you know, your breath over what I know. And don't yeah, know. I'd like the implications of what that could potentially mean. And like, obviously there, there's definitely going to be some more, there's definitely stuff with like, in the past of like, okay, who is Thomas Wayne? And like, what are the wrongs that he's done? Um, it does sound in this case that he is a stand-up guy. Maybe uh, he got a little desperate at one point, um, but it was really about protecting the image of his wife and not revealing secrets of her past. So I'm kind of curious, like, is there going to be more, is that, is it actually going to go more in that direction? And also like, there's a big difference between make him stop, bothering me mm-hmm. and kill him and go kill him like there's yeah. a well that was that now, was obviously you could say Robert, he was right? naive what's that that was obviously he i was, he i feel like falcone obviously knew that he didn't want him to kill him but he did that specifically so that he had like leverage over him oh well, sure. i did this for you well two, two well two, two things two birds with one stone okay you're finally giving me the opportunity to really do something i need to do to help me out and also i get to finally get my like my fingers into what you're doing yeah. and you can't get away from, from all this. Like you're going to be under my thumb here. Yeah. Um, but also like, man, for someone as smart as Thomas to not understand, hi, could you please like, like you could make it real simple. Here's $50,000 pay him off. Like yeah. it's your problem. Not fucking uh, Falcon. Like, he's going to foot the bill for that. I mean, I guess the whole point was like, he was trying to call in a favor, but like mm-hmm. you got to know that when you're trying to call in that favor, that makes you equal. And he's going to, kind of have no holds barred towards what he's going to do to try and get you under his leash there. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. Falcon. I'm your boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're not going to arrest me. I'm your boss. It's like. a fact. <laughs> uh, so uh, on the topic of Martha Arkham, uh, we do go to Arkham Asylum. That is where Riddler will now be held. And we get this universe's Joker, for probably. better or worse. What? I said probably. I, I mean, well, that character was the Joker. I refuse any other explanation. Whether or not that actor will play him if they decide to use the character, I think is up It's in definitely the an interesting... I mean, I'm more interested in having that conversation, honestly. Like, Barry Kogan's like a, a very out-of-the-box choice to play... Yeah, Joker. Although I guess technically ever Joker has been pretty out of the box mm-hmm. casting, so um, I was not expected that to be the person that they Same. would choose. Um, and I don't know why you would cast him to do that if it's not going to be him. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I I do think that there was something interesting though to keeping him in the shadows. Like they're not. I, maybe it's maybe it's more so that they don't know what they want to do yet, or or if they're really going to go the route of exploring the Joker again. Well, there's, I think there's a couple of reasons to do it that way. First of all, it allows you to have an unspoilable reveal, like 
because if you just cast him as the Joker, mm-hmm. it's going to leak out that the Joker's in the movie. But if you just credit him as Arkham Asylum guy, someone might have a question if they see him on set, but it's like at least within the realm of possibility, you can deny it in some way, shape or form, like enough to like keep it suppressed until the movie actually comes out. Cause I had not even seen anything online, people talking around it, which mm. is surprising. Yeah. Cause I saw it like a week after it came out after, um, after the fact I had read some stuff that um, that alluded to that there may have been scenes shot with Batman consulting with the Joker in Arkham, mm. which could be cool of like almost in like a Hannibal Lecter fashion of like trying to get in the mind of the Riddler and understand who he is, where he is, what's going on so that we can catch him. And we saw that obviously with the long Halloween with him consulting calendar man. Right? Yeah. So which could be a nod to that. I don't know if that was actually a thing that was going on or then that was cut or what they, what they chose to do there. I'm curious to see where, where it goes from here though. The other, I said the other reason I think you, you do that the way that they did it is maybe they have plans to cast him as the Joker, but maybe they don't even want to do it in the next movie. Maybe they do it two movies from now, maybe sure. it's like way down the line, you know, and this allows them to, to pursue that in their own timeline. Yeah. That's fair. But still have a cool little Easter egg at the end of it, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe, you know, next movie, you don't want, you know, obviously it's been a a, a fair criticism leveled at Marvel that the, the most of the villains don't last past one movie, right? The Riddler's still on the board. You can build a rogues gallery if you want. The next movie, the villain doesn't have to be Riddler or Joker. Mm. And maybe the next movie ends with whoever he defeats joining there with joining friends well three of them yeah. right like and somewhere down the line joker engineers a breakout and all of them are part of it and it becomes kind of a a spider-man no way home situation where you get to have a really cool story and four or five or six villains get to have a story in whatever way right yeah. it, it's, it's gonna take a really hard work to balance it but we've just seen that you can do it it yeah. is possible to do you gotta write it well. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it comes down to. Otherwise, it becomes overstuffed and confusing. Like oh, uh, like Spider Man three say, but it is doable. Having him deliver That'll probably the, be a five hour movie. I watch. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. <laughs> Having him deliver the line riddle me this really just warmed my heart though. <laughs> I appreciated that. Al, uh, we've talked at length about this movie. I loved it. You seem to really have enjoyed it as well. Do you have any yes. closing thoughts? No, I think we've uh, we've hit a lot of it. Considering how long the movie was, it was inevitable we'll miss a thing or two, especially sure. since it's literally one o'clock in the morning. So yeah. I'm very I'm much looking forward to giving this one a rewatch. <laughs> I can't, I'm excited. Oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to see this again. I'm I'm not going to go see it in the theater again, but yeah. I'm definitely excited to see it again. And uh, hopefully, it's uh, on HBO or something quite soon. Yeah. Well. That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out.